Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, how you doing everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Busy day. We're going to have... Uh... A lot of, uh, I believe, are going to be great guests. Jesse, Jesse qualifies, right? Is yeah, a great, a great guest, no Fred? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. I, th- I kind of thought we were in the twelfth overtime. I wasn't sure what was going on exactly. Oh man, yeah. uh, I'm, still, uh, I'm still exhausted. <laughs> yeah, it was tiring just watching. Yeah, yeah, it was. It certainly was. Man, you needed some IV afterwards. Uh-huh. I'm yep. dehydrated. Yeah. Ned Coletti. National baseball expert, longtime general manager, around 11 o'clock, and plenty of football talk. And that'll be our guy Dan Shanka from our lads, and uh, plenty of uh, Indianapolis Combine, NFL, whatever you want to call it, Combine talk in the uh, 11 o'clock hour. So stick around. Let's set up, by the way, our famous phone number for you. Always, uh, always for you remains 332 3776. 312-332-3776. Do you say, Fred, 332-ESPN? I don't ever. Because so many people don't know where the numbers are on their phones. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they or, don't know. Or the letters. Right. The, the letters either. Well, they're yeah. both. Right. They don't know where the letters are. Well, you really don't know where the numbers are anymore because yeah. you got your contacts. You just hit Almost boom. right. Almost yeah. nobody dials anything anymore unless they have to. You ever try to uh, be without your contact list or someone says, what's his number? And then you're off the top of your head. One, no. that, one that you've had for thir- 20 years you've not, and you can't remember it. I got enough stupid baseball stats in my head that I, I don't know anybody's phone number. Before we get to the ball, you got so many stupid stats. Yeah. So, oh, it's unbelievable how many dumb stats. That's like the owner of uh, the Phillies. I got stupid money. Yeah. Well, how about I got Bryce Harper's uh-huh. barrel percentage yeah. tied for 72nd in baseball last year. Yeah, I got that in my head. Yeah. Get so. the beer barrel polka music later, E11, for when Fred brings up the barreling of the uh, ball. All those things. And then you start to read baseball prospectus, and all of a sudden, more baseball stats come in your head, and everything <laughs> else goes out. Before we get to the bullies, let's take a look at the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Vote at ESPN 1000, or vote on the radio at, oh, you know, 332-3776. Uh, number one... The uh, this is yes or no. The Bulls' entire future is based on lottery luck. All right. Okay. Yes or no? Vote now at ESPN one thousand. And I have lottery luck in you know quotes. The Bulls' entire future is based on lottery luck. Yes or no? I'll just say this. That's what I've been hearing for the last month or two. Uh huh. Oh, we got to get the ping pong balls in the lottery. Otherwise, right. we're doomed for yep. failure. So I guess the answer is yes. I guess that's going to be about 99% yes. Yeah. So uh, probably will be. Jump in on that. Uh, let's see. Let's throw in a, a Bears question. And we'll have Bears talk in the 11 o'clock hour, if not sooner. NFL, the multiple choice. NFL teams undervalue kickers. Definitely. Most of them do. Most of them don't. Or D. Well, the Bears do. NFL teams undervalue kickers. Definitely. Most do. Most don't. And Bears do. 
Let's see. Let's throw a Cubs uh, and Sox poll out there, then get to the bullies. What a game last night. We're still worn out, as Fred said. Cubs fans, vote now. If one of your big five starting pitchers goes down or is out for a little while, who moves into the rotation? Tyler Chadwood. Uh-huh. Mm. Mike Montgomery. He's done it the last couple of years. C, a AAA call-up. All right? Yep, I got I got uh, Tyler Chatwood stats that would be impressive to you. I think. How about that? Uh-huh. No one barreled him up. Not yesterday. Or the uh, first little outing. Yeah. I think I hear E11 yelling, it's spring training, <laughs> from the other side of the glass. Yeah, but Chatwood did something yesterday he hadn't done since 2016. Unless uh, he did it in another spring training, because no one pays attention to that. Well, so. yeah, in a regular season game, he did something <laughs> yesterday in a re- that he hadn't done in a regular season game since 2016. I didn't walk anybody in three plus innings. Uh, okay, yeah, didn't walk anybody yeah, in three right. plus innings. Last time he did that was September 9th. No, August 9th. I'm sorry, August 9th. 2016, he went six and two thirds. Six and two thirds with no walks. That would be a summer training instead of spring training. That must have been the game that Theo saw. Yeah, six and two thirds <laughs> with no walks. This guy's awesome. He had three Ks yesterday, though, right? Yeah, he did. Three Ks, no walks. White Sox fans vote right now at ESPN 1000. Who should be your main designated hitter, A or B? Yonder Alonso. Or B, Jose Abreu. They both say, well, you know what? Whatever's best for the team. Sure. That's not what they think, feel or think. Or think, I almost said. That's not. But vote right now. But let's not delay. Let's get to a Give me a little Bulls music there, Eric. Get us fired up here. What a game last night. Thought the it game would, that would never end. Thought it would never end uh-huh. is right. Bulls win. 168 to 161. I was here with Sylvie till 6. I go, the game starts at 6.30. Yeah. I'll catch the second half. It'll be right. over by 9. No problem. Nice early start. 6.30 yeah. Chicago uh-huh. time down in Atlanta. Yep. Yeah, that didn't work very well. Records, numbers. Got them all over the place here, Fred. It was the third most points scored in NBA history. It was the Bulls' most points scored in franchise history. It was the first time the Bulls ever had three players score 30 or more. Okay. Uh, Levine with 47, marking and imported 31 each. Correct. There were 17 ties and 22 lead changes. I thought it was fun. And you know what we're not doing today? What I've done the last couple of weeks, it seems like the Bulls have been playing a lot of Friday night games. Yeah, and then we're on Saturday right. morning, Murph and Fred, right. until noon, Saturdays. And uh, the Bulls have been winning some of those Friday games. Yep. And I'm not doing it anymore because we would all, you know, I, the poll would be, uh, I enjoyed watching the Bulls win last night. Right. 7% yes. What? Yeah. Then the next week, same seven per. You had one. I heard you. Uh, I think maybe yesterday with Sylvie talking about one. You yeah. had, it was about the same, right? Nine percent were happy they won right. or something. I think it was ninety-one, but ninety-one yeah. to nine. Yeah. Right. So we're not doing that anymore. Uh, everyone's unhappy. You're upset. Not you, Fred. Maybe you are. I don't know. Everyone's upset that the Bulls lost. Let me just tell you something. Oh, EO eleven. 
He just about finishing up that little, you've got a little mini mix you're working on there. We'll hear that in a minute. Courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. But, you know, it's it's been amazing. The last, uh, and, and, you know, we've, we've been trying to get our, our buddy Nick Friedel and his schedule has been so jammed up. Well, it's tough when he's covering a team out west. Oh, yeah. And right. he's, you know, two, three, and he was going to join us and... Number one, he wanted to get some Cubs stuff off his chest. Oh, sure. Nicky free. Yep. But uh, when the season starts, we won't be able to keep him off the air. Let's see. He'll want to talk all the time about the Cubs. I'm going to ask Nick about his thing. And he was on again this week. And he's used this phrase. And Nick Friedel's an NBA expert. I think we would all agree. Sure. Laughing stock. How many times? <laughs> That's been his catchphrase. Laughing stock. Right. And, uh... Not just Nick, or not not Nick on this one, but everybody. Uh, Jim Boylan, he's a high school coach idiot. Okay. Uh, he must be, because that's what everybody says. Uh-huh. What do I know? I'm just a fan. I've watched almost every Bulls game on TV uh, since they began. Uh, I went to a game or two uh, at the old stockyards where they used to play at right. the uh, at the International Amph- Amphitheater. Thank you, Fred. Right. Uh-huh. You were there, I'm 42nd sure. 42nd and uh, Holstead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Chicago Cougars hockey team All played right. there. All right. So I was there in, I, uh, in the early 70s. Right. I heard Sylvie mention that with his grandfather, yeah. he was at a Bulls game there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, people know a lot more about the Bulls than I do. But uh, I guess Jim Boylan, he, he's a high school coach idiot. And uh, the team's a laughing stock. Now, they're 6-3 and three in their last nine games. All right. That's, and that's bad because they're trying to lose. And, you know, there's not, and it's been well established. If you've finished uh, in the top one, two, three at the bottom, you get 14% of the ping pong balls out of 100. Right. And if you're in a number four from the bottom, you get a 12 and uh, somehow one half, and ping, and half pong, percent, yeah. ping pong. I got half a ping pong ball yeah. in there. Be like if there were a thousand, you'd get you know, hundred and twenty five, whatever. But I know there's not a thousand. I know how that works. I don't, but I do. Okay. Now they are only three games, is it, Fred? Three ahead of Atlanta. Three ahead of Atlanta right. to drop down to fifth with only <laughs> only ten uh, percent chance of getting a, uh, the number one ping pong ball. Right. right? And they got Atlanta back here tomorrow. So mm-hmm. tomorrow afternoon on the uh, west side, yeah. it'll be the uh, Hawks and Bulls to go at it again. Home and home, as I used to call uh-huh. it. Yep. Now, since they got Porter, that'd be Otto Jr. Since they got Porter, not only are they 6-3, and three, but he missed a game. About three games ago, right. he had the uh, calf, right? Uh-huh. Which sometimes can be like a month, because then you'll re-pull it and restrain a calf. Right. How about this? In the games Porter has played, all right, they have a five-game winning streak. The only one they lost in there, <clears throat> excuse me, was the one he missed. They're also 6-2 and two in games Porter has played. Okay. So I guess also, besides being the laughingstock organization and, and having an idiot for it. Now, these guys, they were all tired at the end, both teams. Yep. There's so, no doubt. You so played that many th- right. minutes. 54 minutes. 55 minutes for Zach Levine. Oh, this just in. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Rick. Let me see. This. Okay, this says, uh, wow. The Bulls got in uh, at 2 a.m. last night from uh, the Atlanta. They little, little, and uh, is this right? Let me read this. 
Right now, the Bulls are running suicide drills, <laughs> preparing for tomorrow's game. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. They are not running suicide. I'm sorry. There you go. Okay, Eric ran in with this. They are not running, at least to our best knowledge. No, okay. Yeah, he's going to give them the chance. I think he's going to give them most of the day off. So they're the laughing stock. They are uh, being coached by a high school idiot coach. Remember when Ditka years ago said, we became a team today. Right. That was very famous. Uh-huh. Couldn't tell you when it happened. A year before the Super Bowl, maybe. And they won a big game. And the coach ran, we became a team today. And it was cool at the time. Everybody likes to laugh at it. Or, or actually, was it Super he did that with, actually, I think he did that with the Saints. Oh. I thought he did the will, we became a team today with the Saints. All right. I, I might be like wrong. It. I might be wrong, but All I right. thought it was with All the right. Saints. Well, I'm sure you, no, you're right. No, not always. The point is. Not often. Here's the question. Did the Bulls become a team last night? Uh-huh. That's, a, okay, number, question number two. Would they have won the game with the same personnel if Fred Hoiberg had been the head coach last night? And the reason I ask that is the conditioning factor. I know they stopped with the suicides and the team rebelled. Right. You know, the team seems to like this guy now. They all wanted to sure. jump ship. Yeah. They all wanted to abandon ship. Yeah, after one day. Well, I know. They've been fine ever since, it yeah. seems. Yeah. Right, right. Archie Diacono talked about him, and other people have talked about him, and uh, basically said, you know, he's a coach. He does what he's supposed to do. He rewards him in practice, and they do mm-hmm. some, some, some fun things in practice to keep it interesting. Um, so, yeah, they... Uh, so did They've been that, playing hard. Right. So did that influence a lot of uh, uh, Chicago uh, sports fans, Bulls fans? Oh, look at the team. They're, they're, no, it has not changed any of their opinions. Oh, no. Their I opinions know. are all the same. Right. He's a high school idiot coach. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the team is the laughing stock. Well, you know what? Maybe they are. I, for some reason, like to watch the game, like to cheer for them to win. Fred, you know, I've always been... I was probably going anti-tank about five years ago. Right. It, it'll eventually be solved. Maybe not in our lifetime. But, Eo, you got it? All right. Let's go to uh, NBC Sports Chicago. Can't wait to hear this. Eric Ostrowski, good old... Uh, Eo, <laughs> Eric's been working on this. Not only the uh, TV call, the, not the end of regulation, not the end of the first uh, overtime, the second overtime, the third overtime, and the end of the game... But all of them right. in, a, in a mini mix. All right, roll it, please, Eric. And could this be eight straight points down the stretch by Otto Porter to rescue the Bulls from the break? Here it is. Got it. That's big. That's big right there. Now we got to get back. Don't let anybody catch up. Devin surging. Finds Prince. I don't think he gets it off in time. It did get to the iron. Wow. We got extra basketball in Atlanta thanks to some heroics by Otto Porter. Comes through in the clutch. To overtime we go. Not at 124. Eight seconds to play. Hawks have one timeout left. They will let him go. Young on the dribble. On the drive. Double punches it good. One second left. Inbound Levine from half court for the win. And we go to a second overtime in Atlanta. And it's Trey Young. Who else with the game time bucket? It's Lopez. Hands off Porter. Porter slashes in for the win. No good. 
Into a third of overtime. Stacy uh, well, Kidd. Andy, I hope you didn't have anything planned tonight like dinner or a movie um, because uh, you're not going to make it, man. Hawks thought they'd have to defend the final possession. Now they have a chance to win in the third overtime. Baysmore was open. Comes out long to land the heave. No good. Not going anywhere for a while. Let's have a slippers. <laughs> Four overtime in Atlanta. Time will tick, and we are done. Thumbs up for Jim Boyle. This team grinds out a four overtime, 168 to 161 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Two guys who both had career highs, Trey Young and Zach Levine. Levine with 47. A lot of tired legs on that flight home to Chicago, but it'll be a triumphant flight for the Bulls, who win a fifth in their last six. Oh, man. Yeah, Levine with 47 points, nine boards, nine assists. Yeah, just uh, yeah. what uh, one assist and one rebound short of a triple-double. Yeah, Markinen, 31-17. Oh. Porter with 31-10. and 10. Uh, Trey Young was amazing. The rookie yeah. guard is just, he was crazy. 49 points, 16 assists yesterday. There was a streak. There was a run. And I maybe it was in the, uh, the end, near end of regulation, then in, in the second overtime, where he was literally unstoppable. Right? Yeah, and they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't slow him down at all. The third overtime was interesting because Levine, uh, with a layup at 106 left, tied yeah. the score. Yeah. And in the next 106, there were five turnovers. Shows you how tired the teams were. Bulls turned the ball over three times. Atlanta turned it over twice, and that led to the fourth overtime. Seventeen ties, as we said, twenty-two yep. lead changes. Exciting. Uh, let's see how many forty-eight minutes plus five twenty sixty-eight minute ball the, game, right? The Bulls shot forty-eight threes. That's right, <laughs> forty-eight threes. And Stacy was saying he goes, there were a hundred, there were one hundred eight threes taken in the game. Atlanta shot sixty. So, in four overtimes, 108 three-pointers. 21 out of 48, Fred, saying yeah. there from the three-point line. How about this? 44%. Not bad at all. The Bulls shot from three-point land, yeah. blistering 44%. Field goals at uh, 47%. Well, when they, when they brought in Otto Porter, they said he's a three-point shooter. Uh-huh. He made more than 50%. He was 7 for 13 yesterday. Uh, Zach Levine was 6 for 14 from 3. Markinen just 3 for 6. He out got off to a slow start, didn't score many points early. 17 boards for Markinen, too, yep. I think you mentioned. Yep, got off to a slow start, but mm-hmm. then he was really good. So, you know, and, and Robin Lopez, everyone's favorite, uh, 11 points, 11 rebounds, and uh, he was out there helping the Bulls. Uh, keep keeping this game. Fred, so. I'm not a basketball expert. I, like you, uh, I always try to, not that you're not, we all try to watch every game. Yeah, we try. Sometimes and, uh, it's tough this year. I did. It's better now. You know, there's, the, 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 there's very, very similar to the early uh, Cubs regime where uh, great Cub fans stopped watching. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, see, what happened this year, uh, great Bulls fans uh, took pride in not watching. Which is fine. What's the old thing? Uh, you know, be a, any type of fan you want to be, right. right? I'm not watching the Bulls. So, well, as Kenny Williams found out this week, you can't win with the fans. <laughs> so, you'll be you can't them. you can't be arguing with the fans. Yeah, you ain't going to win that uh, fight. So, you want to start up with Kenny now or in a, no, a little bit later? I, I have no problem with what I he said. You know. I just wish he would have been quiet. He shouldn't <laughs> have said it. He knew that no one's going. to... He said the people that are mad are not going to be. 
I'm not going to listen to this. So he should have stopped. Right. There's certain times, like Tom Ricketts, too. Certain times you keep your yapper shut. Yeah, avoid, yeah. avoid making comments. But yeah. that's a whole other story. Let's talk about this Otto Porter Jr. Yes. for a minute. He's unbelievable. Oh, yes. So the confidence he has going to the basket. Eight, eight straight points in regulation to send the game to overtime. That was amazing. He hits those threes. And you know what? Uh, Atlanta, there's a reason Atlanta's a bad oh. team. I know they're ahead of the Bulls. Stupid. But twice they fouled three-point shooters. They may have done it more, but they fouled Porter, yeah. and then later on they fouled Markin. Let's go back to that. End of regulation. Bulls down by three. They inbound the ball uh, to Otto Porter Jr., and he puts up a missile that's not going to go. The game would have been over, and he gets fouled, as you just said. Yeah. Fred, it was 0.4 seconds yes. on the clock. Yes, it was. And some d- dumbbell fouls him. And now he's got to sink all three of the games over. He made them, and each one was nothing but net. Yeah. Not, not even hit the rim. Do you think with the third one, he was saying, you know, if we if I miss this, we might be closer to getting Zion Williams. <laughs> I listen to those guys in Chicago all the time. <laughs> now, yeah, I don't think he was thinking that, probably. You know what else was interesting about this game last? Many things. Did you notice the player, the Bulls players, were often smiling during breaks and after, like there'd be a stoppage in play, and it's you know second overtime, third overtime pressure, and they're ta- and they're taught they're la- it's it's like this team is in such a mental mentally good spot right now. They're smiling, they're not uptight, they're not nervous, and I don't know if that means a thing. I don't know if that's going to permeate to the future. I don't know if it's a reflection on they enjoy playing for this uh, idiot high school coach they have or what, but you rarely see that, at least I don't in pro sports much anymore. You, Hey, get that smile off your face. This is serious now. No, get your head in the game. It's a game. These are all young yeah. kids in their, their early 20s, and mm-hmm. they should be happy. And, uh, you know, once a game goes to overtime and it keeps going, they, they love being in a game like this. EO 11, uh, not just uh, he's double double duty. Ostrowski today, Eric running the board and the screen. I'm looking at our uh, call screen here. Who is on call? Who's number one here? Uh, line number uh, one, EO 11. Probably the biggest Bulls fan I know, C Red Fred. Well, sitting on line one. C Red Fred sleeps in on Saturday. He's never called Murph and Fred. This must be, I'm one of this is an imposter. Let's punch it up. <laughs> See oh. Red Fred, is this the real deal? Of course it is. Guy, I wake up every morning at 9 o'clock on Saturday to listen to you guys. I may not always call, but you guys bring me much joy. I love you guys. Uh, well, How are you doing? Especially uh, the last three Saturdays, because the Bulls have been yeah. winning games, actually. Oh, the, the big red Leviathan is here. <laughs> I'm challenging Chicago. Murph, you brought up a good topic. Uh, you said the real fans aren't watching. And I, you know what? I'm a real fan. I watch every game. We've had three losing seasons since 2004. This will be the third losing season. Why are people that the level of anger around this team is nowhere near commensurate with the quality of the team? We got two future all stars budding before our eyes, and Levine and Marketing. We got a future first all defensive team member in Wendell Carter Jr. Why is the anger so so? outrageous here. Put it away. Get on your Bulls gear. Get on board because we're going to be a Leviathan in three years. See, Red Fred, let me give you my reason. My reason is that many fans love to tank. They want to tank. They want to lose. Why? I don't know why because I'm not built that way. That's not my DNA. But 
number one, you can be a lazy fan because now you don't have to watch for two, three years. And it's all, it used to be called fair weather fan. But again, every fan does it their own way. But uh, Fred Hubner and see Red. We got two Freds here. I'm yeah. doing, I get Fred Durf forward backwards. Uh-huh. It's Fred Durf. <laughs> yeah. Fred C. Red, and then we'll uh, go to Fred uh, Hubner. Yesterday, telling me, telling us all how at the uh, uh, procedure at the hospital he complimented the nurse for pronouncing his name correctly. I did. Which I is did. always nice to have the medical team on your yeah, side. Well, they never mispronounce Murphy. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty easy. But see, uh, Red Fred, it's. Uh, it's an interesting team right now, but the fans, a lot of fans don't know what's going on. And do you feel like it, this is right now the laughing stock organization? Oh, absolutely not. Why Here's not? Why not? Why not? Everyone because says it, it because is. Because it's not a laughing stock organization for the simple fact, if you look at every move that they've made since they traded Butler, since the rebuild began, mm-hmm. marketing, the drafting of marketing, the vast majority of the fan base, was upset with that draft pick. They were absolutely right. The trading of Nico for a number one pick. I love that move. The drafting of Wendell Carter Jr. instead of sending a draft pick away to get Mo Bamba. The Bulls were right in that move. And I think this move for Otto Porter was a home run. Every single move this organization has made has been met with anger and distrust. And and that was terrible. And and when you look back, almost every move was a correct correct one. Let me throw this in, C. Red. We're up against stay on the line. Uh, But let me throw this in too with Fred Hubner. The uh, obviously uh, uh, the uh, early uh, uh, signing of uh, uh, Jabari Parker uh, backfired. But when you look at this trade, everything's happened. They're five and zero in the games that. Porter has played and he missed the one. They're they're six and uh, five and two with him. Here's what's happened. I mean, six and two with, with when he plays. But here's the thing. All of a sudden, Lopez is playing better. You know why? Because they can't jam the paint because they got to put another yeah. guy out there on Porter. All of a sudden now, you know what? They're driving the lane. Guys are open. And it was a, a, a terrific move by the by the uh, front office, which is really uh, uh, just a laughing stock. See, Red Fred, nice to know you're up on Saturdays. I thought you slept till noon. Oh, you guys are the best. You're changing lives. Let's go, Bulls. Get on your Bulls gear. And let's get on board. We're going to do it. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> See you, Fred. Fred. Well, us Freds have to stick together because nobody nowadays names their kid Fred unless he's a, a junior or a th- the third, like I am. How about Fredrico? Yeah, yeah. Nobody names them. They three, don't use those names anymore. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. When we return, we'll stay in the Bulls. Well, I also have a little Bears, and uh, we had baseball. Jesse at 10. Ned Coletti, National baseball expert, longtime GM at 11, and inside uh, Bears uh, talk and NFL uh, combine talk, Dan Shanka, our our lads guy, also in the 11 o'clock hour, vote now, we have a busy Twitter poll going, vote at ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred, busy day, let's get rolling, 9 till noon every Saturday. Final lot bold thoughts here, Fred. Then, uh, oh, last chance to vote. Twitter poll uh, working right now. Number one and number two on the board are the Bulls' entire future is based on lottery luck. Yes or no? That'd be lottery luck in quotes. And NFL teams, multiple choice, undervalue kickers. Definitely they do. Well, most of them do. Most of them don't, and the Bears do. 
Fred, uh, these are from uh, the Tribune this morning. Some notes by Bulls guy uh, Casey Johnson. Right. The Bulls, there's a thing called offensive rating, I guess, uh, in the NBA. Whatever that is, I take it that it's I think, I think the rating is a bad phrase. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just total offensive points. Because hmm. I saw it yesterday right. uh, where where the Bulls were in the NBA well, here, here's, since the All-Star break. Okay, well, here's what uh, the Tribune has today. Uh, the uh, November, December, January, and February by month. Okay. All right. Uh, he writes, Casey writes, uh, uh, can the Bulls' uh, momentum on offense uh, continue? Uh, uh, they ranked 30th in uh, the month of November in offensive rating. Okay. There are 30 teams, by the way, so that would be last. It was an injury filled in November, and they had a meager offensive rating. Of 97.4. Uh-huh. I don't know if that means average points or, or not. I think it means points. That wouldn't really be rating. But yeah, I know. I, something I don't, screwy. Again, I don't understand but offensive anyway, rating. We'll, we'll just go by by this. Ranking would make more sense. Okay. But. Uh, so, in November, uh, the Bulls uh, were uh, last. All right? In December... Uh, they uh, ranked last again for the month of December uh, with a 98.7. January, well, they ticked up to 26th worst out of 30. Now, February, 116.2, which is second in the league behind the Rockets. Here's, a, here's their offensive rating, okay? Uh-huh. It's actually offensive proficiency rating okay. uh, used in basketball to measure either a team's offensive performance or an individual player's efficiency at producing points mm-hmm. for the offense. It's created mm-hmm. by some author and statistician. Mm-hmm. Probably no doubt with classes. So they were 30th, 30th, 26th, and then 2nd uh-huh. in November, December, January, February. I guess that means nothing. They're scoring, they're scoring a lot of points. You see this Robin Lopez, you don't have to be an expert to understand he's he's got room to move now in the paint because they can't bring that second guy down in because yeah. they're not worried about Jabari making the uh, three-point. Yeah, the thing is, the reason Bulls fans are upset that Robin Lopez is even playing is because <laughs> when, the, when, they, when the future gets here, he likely will not be their center. And people like seeing the younger players mm-hmm. uh, established and worked in and all that kind of stuff. There, Most people are not looking to win games now. But right. if you have Robin Lopez, he without a doubt, he's better than Cristiano Felicio. We taught you talked, and she read Fred did also talk about the good moves the uh, organization made. The bad move was signing Cristiano Felicio to a longer-term deal. You still, you're still paying this guy. And there's really no reason to be doing it. So... That's that's one of the reasons people hate seeing Robin Lopez. Not because they don't like him, because there are teams around the NBA that kind of liked him and probably wanted him. See, there's not many bigs out there anymore. So no. when he is out there right. and he's one on one, he can do. You know, I'm not going to say do big damage. Not bigs that, that do what he does. Right. There's bigs that step out behind the three and shoot the three. You know what else he does, Lopez Rolo, if you will. Uh, he never travels. 
but he looks like he does. Right. Now, they don't call it traveling anyway, but they're more apt to call it not a big guy, I think. Uh-huh. And you ever notice every time he does like that triple pivot, right. and then he loops under, up and over and under, the other team goes, but he's not. No, he's not. He's a magician. With his fo- oh wait a minute now they're saying go to the phones, go to Cicero's uh, Fred's old hometown. Hey Giacomo, Murph and Fred, I love your handle. Hello. Oh, hi guys. I can't believe you guys are even thinking about thinking ain't as bad. You got the same team. What's their record? They're, they're, you're talking about the last couple games. They're playing out the string. They look you know, oh this guy just this. Last year they did the same thing, and we drafted some. Uh, seventh or whatever it is, we could have Trey Young. We could have all these guys. Next year, you're going to have the same team who at the end of the season, their record's going to be the same as it is this year, and they're going to play really good at the end when nobody's really, when all the positions are set, there's no pressure, there's no nothing. That's what you guys are uh, hoping for? Well, let, let me say this. Which is team when they have to play playoff teams in the playoffs. All right. These guys ain't going to do nothing. They're going to do what they always do. All right. Giacomo, 91% yeah. of everybody listening agrees with you. Well, so why don't you? I mean, what do you? Because you don't want them to lose. What, do you like watching losing basketball, uh, Murph? I didn't see any like? lose. I didn't see losing basketball since they since they got Porter. Oh, come on. You, no, no, I'm just stating that way. You're not going to do this? Oh, no, so I can't state a fact. Okay, how about last year? When, 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 when Militech, they were looking really good. Same stuff. They, they played yourself out of the uh, out of the first three pay, uh, first three uh, last places. People say yeah, Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be okay. I don't think he is. I don't. I, I think he's slow, and he's, he's not the type of player in this, uh, in this NBA. This sounds like kick. Sam Smith with a fake voice, Fred. Is this Sam Smith pulling my leg, Giacomo? <laughs> no, but... Uh, <laughs> I should be. <laughs> I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Well, you're 91% agree with you. Right. I know. Right. I understand how this works. Yep. There's no doubt. And actually, uh, I've got the one of the one of the polls uh, from oh. earlier today. Yeah, let's go to the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. The Bulls' entire future is based on, quote, lottery luck. Yes or no? Now, I'm very intrigued to hear I'm this. I'm looking at it, so I can't tell you the Be- uh, I know. percentages. Uh, because every, 91% of the voters and the fans and everyone who listens want the Bulls to lose and tank. I understand that. So, therefore, they're in a dilemma, in my opinion, on this question. This question is saying, well, you're basing your entire future on... Getting good lottery balls. Right. Okay. Now, I understand uh, if you finish uh, worst, next to worst, next to worst, you're guaranteed like a top five, four, five, six pick or five, six, seven pick, whatever it is, Fred, well, if, if, you, you, if yeah. you're the bottom three. Well, you're not guaranteed really anything. Because mm-hmm. somebody else could still come up with that number one. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're guaranteed. You're guaranteed a pick three, in the two, three, four, five. First yeah. Six or right. seven, and then first eight. Sure. Which nobody seems to want anyway. Uh-huh. It's just fourteen percent chance. Yeah, they drafted seventh last year. The Bulls. So yeah. now Boylan, and I know he's got a vested interest. He was quoted in all the reports today as saying, "You have to hand it to the." And the, again, I understand it's the coach. He's not going to bum rap John Paxson. But he did say, our, our staff has done pretty well. Our last two picks were number seven. And, of course, that's Markinen and uh, Wendell Carter Wendell Jr. Carter, right. our, our last two picks were number sevens. And they are both 
this was his opinion, top three picks. In other words, one of the top three guys in the draft. Oof. That'd be, that'd be well, tough, yeah. I know. Yeah, because but you they have, haven't, they you have haven't Doncic been, and Trey Young. But they haven't botched it. Right, and Marvin Bagley's playing real well, right. too, for okay. Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, Carter might not be in the top mm-hmm. three. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and Markinen, no, no doubt Markinen is probably higher than the seventh. So, what the, no, what they say a, was... top three. He was would have been in... A top three guy is what Boylan was saying. Wasn't marking in number seven? Yeah. Yeah. Our last two years were sevens, and the coach at least said they were both turned out to be like top three. Anyway, I'm just quoting him. Yeah. Well, Roz, 79% say mm-hmm. yes that the uh, the Bulls' entire future is based on lottery luck. Hold it. Now, that's pretty interesting. 79%. Okay, so 91% of the fans want the Bulls to tank, knowing that almost 80%... Uh, of the future is still based on luck of the lottery balls. Yeah. <laughs> so. So what is that? That's no Gouda. Yeah. All right, let's keep tanking, but you know what? We only got 20% lottery luck of uh, having it succeed. All right, that's cool. We got Jesse in a little while. Uh, Dan Shonk in the 11 o'clock hour. Uh, talking about the uh, Indianapolis, and uh, what do we call it, the NFL Combine? Whatever. The NFL Combine, Whatever. yeah. And much, much more. Uh, let's step aside. Some new Twitter poll questions on board right now. You can look it over at 8 uh, and, and vote at 332-3776 or vote You find them at ESPN 1000. That's what he was trying yep. to say. Uh-huh. How you doing? Murph and Fred. Last week, some dope on the radio uh, here, I guess that was me, said, well, you know, I believe, uh, of course, we're going to get snow still sometime this year, but I believe we have broken the back of old man winter, Fred. Did I say that? You did. (laughs) I said, it will not be below zero again. So everything's trending up. And then I look at uh, Tom Skilling and Sunday night uh, projected minus two. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there you go. He also had something interesting. The month of February in Chicago, they do a thing where, how, you know, how cloudy it is or right. how much or how little sunlight. It was the fourth least amount of sunlight in the month of February, all-time record. Was it really? Yeah, it was the fourth. Huh. Or, you know, no sun. Right. And the least, uh, uh, the last time we had even less sun than this past February was 1962. And only two more before that, all the way back to like the 1800s. So maybe we're due for something uh, nice in March. We'll let maybe. Jesse down in we'll Arizona see. where it's uh, much nicer. And let's bring in uh, EO11. We have a Twitter poll question. In fact, we have two working right now on. Uh, on the Bears and the kicker story. Not that they'd be like at the end of the news. The right. kicker? Yes. Place kicker. So uh, the votes are rolling in right now. <clears throat> uh, Bears fans, uh, oh no, it was uh, NFL. NFL teams, in your opinion, uh, do they undervalue kickers? Uh, definitely uh, they do. Most of them do. Most of them don't. And well, the Bears certainly do. Fred, I have no idea where this is going. I imagine, do they undervalue? I'm going to say, uh, hmm, definitely they do, or B, most of them do. Or the, I don't know where to I go with, on this. I, I went with most of them do. Most of them do. Yeah, that's what I went with. Undervalue kickers. Uh, 
I, I guess that can ebb and flow uh-huh. when things are going well and you don't value them. We're fine, you know. But right now, maybe you don't undervalue. Let's see where the fans took us on. Is EO11 what the fans say on NFL teams? Do they undervalue their kickers? It's uh, spread around pretty well. At hmm. the bottom is only 18% saying just the Bears do. Okay. Um, tied for second and third with 24% saying definitely and 24% also saying most don't. Hmm. So then 34% saying most NFL Ew. teams undervalue kickers. And then, uh, thank you, stay with us. The follow-up was uh, Bears fans, do you use a draft pick? For a kicker coming up in yeah. the draft. And we all pretty much know that they, the Bears, without, unless they trade up and are right. around. They don't have a first or a second right now. And I believe they're lacking either a seven. Okay. Or they have two sixes or two sevens. They're lacking either a six or a seven. So, I uh, fold with two sixes so the, or two uh, sevens. <clears throat> I split eights once at the, the Blackjack in Vegas. I yeah. thought they were going to kill me. No, no, I, I split tens. You always split it. I split tens. Yeah, my, my brother split tens, and uh, yeah. the dealer was he was like mm-hmm. yelling at him, and he said, just give me my cards. Yeah. He won on both of them. Me and, she, too. And, and she said, you should never do that. Yeah. He goes, I, I, I understand. It's called gambling. Yes. I felt is. good. I was in a streak. Yeah. I had to leave in a little while. I had a big, I said, dead, split them. Yeah. And the whole table. Then the, oh, well, see, we wouldn't have, my brother might not have done it if yeah. it was a whole table. But just, it was only me and him. Then the, then the, like the person uh, next to you, the other one, especially if you're in the one hole. Yeah. Oh, you got my cards. Yeah. No, I got my cards. Yeah. You don't know what the next seven cards are. Maybe yeah. my cards would have been bad and yours would have been good. Nah, I would have agreed with the other guy. <laughs> yeah, I would have been mad at you. Bears fans, do you use a draft pick for a kicker? Especially if the dealer had like a six. A, yes, I would. Third round. B, yes, I would. I'd use the fourth round pick. C, yes, I would. But a pick after the fourth round picks. If the bear, or D, never. Never. I think this is going to be... I'm going to vote uh, yes after the uh, fourth round. Is that uh, C? Is that good to eat for you, Fred? No, I'd go never. Never, ever, ever, ever. Wow. How many sandwich bets do you have out there yeah, right I, now? I, Just I, that I, one I, I have one sandwich bet, and then now I've, oh. got, I've got one bet. Well, actually, I guess I have another one saying that the uh, White Sox can make the playoffs before the Padres. Well, you had a sandwich uh, bet with, with Sylvie and all hell broke loose. Yeah, well, we're still debating, but uh, <laughs> he says that it was for guaranteed money, and I just said that he replayed I it the was tape on you. I know. They all dreaded to replay yeah. the tape. I know. I still don't think it was 100% clear. No. I guess or no, but. I'm not worried. Does that break, I can afford a sandwich. Does that break the radio fellowship to replay the tape on something like that? No. Okay. No. All right. Uh, well, EO11, did you vote yet uh, on uh, what the Bears should do on the draft picks uh, regarding a kicker? Yeah, I voted never right. on a draft pick. All right, so obviously uh, you two are always right, so never's going to be about the 75 80% never. Is that right? It did win, but not quite that <laughs> much. All right. 56% was the most voted for never. 38% is the next most saying yes after the fourth round. Okay. Okay. Was there anything for third round or fourth round? I hope Just not. four and two percent. Okay. Now, Ryan Pace, Bears GM, talked about this earlier this week, what he looks for in kickers. Ryan, what were you looking for in that kicker workout last month? 
um, good kicker. <laughs> so, no, it was just, you know, sometimes sometimes you literally can almost turn your back and hear the way the ball's coming off their foot and feel the power in the pop. So you look for leg strength, you look for consistency, you look for uh, trajectory, their whole, all their mechanics. Those are all things that go into play. Uh, uh, stop my, the tape. my next question immediately would have yeah. been, well, what did you hear when you decided to give Cody Park guaranteed money? Yeah, because Did you hear that pop? He doesn't, as uh, Yurko said again this week, he doesn't drive the ball. Uh-huh. And uh, there's one major item missing there. The mental aspect. Okay. Now, I guess you can't see that just visually watching, but that would be what your scouts should know or have looked into from other uh, teams he's been with. Uh, so, sure, all the mechanics, I understand. Oh, well, the mental's hard to figure out. Cause, oh, yeah. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to uh, say, well, when this guy misses, he bounces back well. I know. Well, if he misses, I don't want him. So, well, <laughs> I want someone that doesn't miss. Well, let's listen again. And by the way, Fred, you used to go to uh, the locker room and the press yeah. conference. Did, I don't see you ever chuckling when you had the recorder I, there. Yeah, not usually. I'm sure I probably did I'm once in a while. I'm not a big fan. Now, yeah, again, I'm not either. I've never had a press pass. Never been in a locker room, thank goodness. And I've never, uh, you know, asked questions in a uh, interview uh, sense. But I never like it when I hear the chuckling. I know you got to smile, then he'll like you, then he'll call on you, and it makes it easier. I understand all that. You know what? You don't want it adversarial, but the chuckling. But that's neither here nor there. I I wish you'd have said, and you know what, we try to research, you know, his, the mental aspect. Brian, what were you looking for in that kicker workout last month? Um, good kicker. <laughs> so, no, it was just, you know, sometimes sometimes you literally can almost turn your back and hear the way the ball's coming off their foot and feel the power in the pop. So you look for leg strength, you look for consistency, you look for uh, trajectory, their whole, all their mechanics. Those are all things that go into play. Yeah, he said sometimes. Well, not in this time. Not with this guy, you didn't. So, that was a mistake. I wonder who scouted that guy. Parky. Well, he had to make the final decision. I so. know, but whatever. Yeah. All right, I know Jesse Rogers coming up. Murph and Fred, busy Saturday. We'll get back to the Bulls beat a little bit later, but baseball next hour. More Bears talk coming up. It's Murph and Fred every Saturday, back in a flash on ESPN 1000. Couple minutes away from Jesse Rogers. Jesse said, I need another minute or two. I'm tracking down a hot scoop. Or maybe just uh, running over to get some hot coffee down in Arizona. Jesse joins Murph and Fred momentarily. So, uh, Chetwood has a nice outing yesterday. Yeah, he sure did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's spring training, it means nothing. But well, it means something. Because if it didn't mean anything, they wouldn't play the game. Well, yips. That means a little bit. See, yips are a little different from rust. Uh-huh. You know, all right, uh, spring training normally doesn't mean much. Uh, the pitchers, at least in their first one, two, three outings, are, you know, they're working on this, they're working on that. They're just getting their mechanics down. I just want to see if I can locate my fastball. Here it comes, you know, boom, boom, three in a row. Hit it if you want. But when you have the yips, which is, you know, 
the impolite word, but that's what Chet would had last year. He couldn't get the ball over the plate. So to at least be able to get it over the plate at all, Fred, I would think that that's... And he's eliminated this, he's eliminated that. He, he had all that herky-jerky in the, in, you know, in the motion with his glove and the right. ball. and the, So... When something, when a little thing like that, all it takes is a little thing to get out of kilter, as they used to say, and uh-huh. and that makes it tough. But it's very encouraging. Uh, not many guys with the yips get rid of them, Fred. Not over usually. over time, not usually. You got guys like Steve Sachs, oh. Chuck Knobloch, yeah. and mostly second baseman, which is weird. There was a catcher with the Mets years ago, Mackie Sasser, right? Well, Ter- Terry Mulholland had him a little bit too, mm-hmm. and then you saw what. Uh, uh, you know, John Lester for the longest time. It took him forever to be able to throw over to first base, and now he can do it. Uh, so he's figured out how to uh, yeah. how to get past that. So that's a good thing. So here's not that it's a dilemma because what's the it's it's good to have those problems, but what do you do with Chatwood? You've got a night. You've got about ten guys fighting for the uh, seven or eight, probably eight. You know, bull, uh, bullpen roles, right. bullpen jobs. And, uh, you know, right now on paper, and the White Sox have a nice little group also. How about your guy, Nate Jones? He had three strikeouts. Uh, uh, okay. He, huh? can, he can strike out 12 in a row, and I'd still want, not want him. But you got Colome. Yeah, Colome and, uh, and, uh, and Herrera. So right. I don't know what Nate Jones is going to be doing for the team. Maybe uh, come in in the sixth or seventh inning. Mm-hmm. But the way he, I'm just not, they, the Sox have been enthralled with Nate Jones for the longest time. <laughs> he gets hurt too often, yeah, and uh, he gives up too many runs. I'm sorry, I, I could do without Nate Jones. But you see, here's sorry, the, Nate. Here's the uh, interesting dilemma, and uh, a Twitter poll, Cub fans, if you want to vote right now, here's the uh, question we're posing uh, this hour, Jesse, in a minute. If one of the uh, big five starting rotation uh, Cubs uh, starters uh, is injured, who moves into the rotation? A Tyler Chatwood. B, Mike Montgomery, who's done it a couple times uh, two years in a row, I do believe, or a triple-A call-up. Now, what do you do? Let's say Chatwood's lights out. You know, just the old, where's my what-if belt? You know, what if Chatwood is lights out throughout the spring? Uh Uh-huh. Doesn't walk many guys. His ball's darting and dancing and moving. Uh, And now you got to get down to your 25-man roster. And you're uh, you're looking at a a bullpen that uh, I don't have to name all the usual suspects, but you got about there's a lot of them. You got about eleven guys viable. Yeah. And now uh, this Dunsing, you know, again spring trainings had a couple nice outings. He had arm trouble. Yep. The lefty situational lefty. So to carry Chatwood, you can't send him down. Uh, I guess you could fake an injury, but. Is he a trade? Can you trade him? You have to eat a lot of the dough. Yeah, I can't imagine anybody would. Uh, 12.5 right. this year, 12.5 next year. Yeah. But when he's right, he's a, uh, you know, 12 and 12, fourth uh, man in a rotation. Does anyone want those anymore? You'd have to eat a lot of the dough. Are you just try and trade him with Hayward? Well, <laughs> I mean. And what do you do with him? Yeah. You're going to put him in the bullpen? Yeah, he's going to be your long man, I guess. Well, they don't have... Well, you know what? Maybe they'll start having those again someday. Right. Yeah. The old day, good old days of the long man. Right. Which was, uh, 
used to be the failed starter, and he'd be out there, and you could bring him in if the starter failed, and he'd give you six, seven, eight innings. Sure. Usually okay. Yeah. Extra innings. At least four or five innings. That's to, the other thing. To get to the other guys. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing with the talk of how to... Uh, I was thinking of this during the quadruple overtime last night for the Bulls. Uh-huh. Sort of like extra innings. And it never ends. And I'm one of the few people along with Jed Hoyer that actually is behind. I would vote for the after the ninth inning or maybe after the tenth inning and extra innings. Putting the man on second base, you know, with nobody out to start the inning. Because so many things are bad with 12, 14, 18 inning games. But... They used to have the long, the long man. Yeah, you know what you do? Then win the game earlier. Well, I understand that. <laughs> win the game earlier if you don't like these 17 or 18 inning games. But the, well, you're 100% right. But the other problem is no one in your bullpen can go more than one or two innings anymore. Well, you run out of guys. No, no, I understand I that. that. So it's but their that fault. that doesn't solve the problem. Why do you get your starter out after five and let them go <laughs> instead of letting them go six or seven? <laughs> because that's how they're telling them go uh, max effort. We don't want you to face a guy a third time around the lineup. Up, really? <laughs> you want us to be good pitchers or what? You want us only to go five or six innings every start? In fact, I'm going, it's unbelievable. I'm going. Did Jesse get his coffee yet? EO eleven? Not yet. He'll call us as soon as he's ready. <laughs> and uh, Fred, I'm so glad you brought this up. Our old the guy uh, Nate Silver. Yeah, over at five thirty eight. Yeah, he used yep. to come on with us back in the old days when. You know, he was living on the north side and yeah. uh, uh, trying to scramble, and he was a baseball numbers guy. Now he's nationally known. Relievers, he wrote a big piece here. Relievers have broken baseball. We have a plan to fix it. I'll distill this down real quick, but what he's saying is the problem uh, with the length of the games, baseball, is that every inning they bring in a guy for one inning, Yeah, and he's a max effort guy, and then and then what happens is... They, you strike out more guys because you come in, you throw no uh, lights pitches. out. Right. So he says it's not the loogies, the left-handed one-out guy, L-O-O-G-Y. Yeah. He says it's the OMGs, not the oh my guy. It's the uh, one-inning max effort guy, OMG. Uh-huh. Let's go to uh, the desert. He got his coffee. Hey, Jesse. Where it's a warmer. It's always warm when Jesse's around. Morning, Jess. Good morning, Murphy. Fred, how you how you guys doing? We're, we're doing great. We were talking about a million things in the last five minutes. Some people would call it stretching. We called it information that we wanted to get out. So thanks for being late. <laughs> I'm actually doing some baseball tonight interviews at, very, at various camps. I'm actually at A's yeah. camp right now. I'm, wow. uh, I'm going to go to... I'm going to go to Brewers Camp tomorrow. Then, mm-hmm. the, then actually, I'm going to do the the Cub interviews later this week. So I'm all over the place in the in the uh, wow. Cubs league here, and then I'll, I'll make it over to Cubs Camp yeah. in a little bit. Well, good for you. There's 15 teams in uh, Florida, the uh, Grapefruit League, and there's 15 teams in Arizona. So this would be a Jesse's a, a 15 on on 15 or yeah. whatever, right? Well, three and three. I'm doing three camps. They'll <laughs> <laughs> call it three and three. <laughs> Jesse, let's go back to yesterday and. Uh, 
you know, we always preface an EO11. Erica keeps yelling, it's only spring training. But Tyler Chatwood had his second uh, good outing in a row. Uh, the yips, as uh, Fred and I were just talking about, some guys never lose the yips. He had a lot of uh, uh, extra mo- motion in the hand and the glove, and he was flying open and all that, uh, which is lingo for he was all messed up mechanically. Uh, but in the first two outings, he's looked like the Chatwood, uh, quote-unquote, of old. Great stuff. I imagine, I haven't said, but he has a great movement, a live arm. Uh, right now, uh, how would you read this uh, two meaningless exhibition outings, but uh, so far so good? Yeah, one thing, and I know what you mean by yips, it's kind of a catch-all, but we know it's, it's not exactly the same as the yips that, that um, uh, Knobloch had or some of these other guys, right, Steve Sachs had. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't so much the yips as this guy just had too much going on with his body. Now, I had a long conversation with Jesse Chavez, who was on the Cubs last year. All winter long, he talked and, and played catch with Chatwood. He took Chatwood to his own pitching guy out in California, and they really simplified things. So it's one of those things, Murph, he needed a whole offseason. Impossible for him to do. I said this last year. He needed to go to the bullpen much earlier, take a month off. You even said, you know, fake the DL and rework things. There was no way he was going to do it midseason, not with the problems he was having. So maybe the full off season with Chavez, with a, a pitching guru, maybe that's made the difference. Very smooth delivery. Um, look, the results were there yesterday at least. No walks, three innings. I mean, what more can you ask for? So um, let's just see if he builds on it. I, I mean, it is spring training, but the strike zone is the same in spring training as it is in April. So, look, when you're giving up home runs and stuff, that's meaningless in, in, in Arizona. But I think finding the strike zone or uh-huh. not finding the strike zone, yeah. I think that has some meaning. So, right. I mean, it's only good news based on those results. Sure, Jesse, the question we asked earlier, one of the poll questions was, if, in fact, one of the top five uh, Cub starters goes down, is Chatwood get filled in? And bigger yet, if they don't go down, what do they do with Tyler Chatwood? Let's bring in the O eleven, Jesse. Let's get the results. Eric, what the uh, fans vote on uh, if one of the Cubs starters, as Fred said, uh, has to miss a couple starts. Uh, a, A, Tyler Chatwood, B, Mike Montgomery, C, probably a triple-A call-up. Uh, what's the vote say? Scrolling, scrolling. Ah, uh, so sixty percent with the win is Mike Montgomery. Twenty-eight percent say Tyler Chatwood. Twelve percent say Triple A. And of course, Mike Montgomery is the old domino effect. He's so valuable in the bullpen, short man, middle man, long man, and then we see what happens over the last couple of years where he have, he does an okay job. Don't get me wrong, Jesse, Fred, but uh, you, you want him in the bullpen. What would happen, Jesse, if indeed? Tyler Chatwood, let's call him lights out throughout spring training. You only have uh, enough slots for your eight uh, bullpen guys, and right now you got about 13 uh, viable bullpen guys fighting for eight already. Well, let me tell you, if he's lights out and everybody's healthy, I think he's traded. I really do. There, I, I've said this before. It doesn't have to be a contender. It can be a rebuilding team where the Cubs pick up a, a year of that salary, so half the salary, and he, and he goes and pitches for the Padres or the Marlins or somebody like that. Um, I don't believe he, he breaks camp if he's pitching well and they're healthy. Um, now, if he's not pitching well, I don't know exactly what happens at that point. They have yeah. to give him away. Um, I just don't see him in the bullpen for this team. Mm-hmm. I don't. 
And, I mean, as of this moment, if the regular season started tomorrow and a pitcher went down, I would think Montgomery would get the start uh, over him. He, yeah. I mean, he's got to prove a lot more before he returns to that role. So yep. that's my feeling. Uh, I don't see a spot in the bullpen if everyone's healthy. Huh. Interesting. Jesse, uh, a nice uh, story about Jose Quintana uh, uh, yesterday. He's work, you know, but everyone works on a new pitch in spring training and the hitters. We know all that. But he says, my changeup is coming back. But the interesting note was he says, I lost confidence in my changeup. And he says, I was a two pitcher guy a lot of last year. And uh, we all know, and he even said, you know what happens when you're a two inning start, a two pitch starting pitcher? You don't get to the, uh, through the lineup, uh, the third time, much less even get to the third time through the lineup, five and die. Uh, here's a guy in all starting pitchers, but here's a guy that'd be amazing if he could develop or have his confidence back in the uh, change. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think someone asked him, you know, why'd you get away from it? And he's like, because it wasn't working. Yeah. I was getting hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you, 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 you go with your strengths and you're so right. He can't be a fastball curveball guy. I mean, he's such a fine line to walk, especially when he's not aggressive. When he's aggressive, he could get away with those things, but he does need to add that in there. I mean, if he had a great lefty change, you know, how well would that play coming off a great curveball and, sure. and a pretty good fastball? He's got some zip when he's on. Um, yeah, so let's see how it plays out. I mean, he got away from it because it was bad. If it's not any better, he's probably going to go away from it again. So that's what spring training's for. Start using this pitch more and more and see if he can get something out of it. In fact, he was asked about the grip or changing it. He really isn't changing anything. He's just going back to it and seeing if it's better now a few years later. So I think it's a work in progress. But you're so right, Mark. If you can add that third pitch, I mean, yeah, you're right. No starter can go through the line of three times with two pitches. So we'll see how it plays out. Right now he's throwing it, but we'll find out if he'll, he'll do that in April. You know, Jess, I was reading some of the things, and I, you know, I heard that uh, Chris Bryant couldn't believe 13 years for Bryce Harper. I know uh, we had him on with me and Sylvie yesterday, but 13 years, he said he, he, that's even long. He thought for him it would be 13 years too long. Yeah, it was kind of weird. He, he couldn't imagine signing a 13-year contract and, and maybe just playing till 40. I don't know why <laughs> right. uh, he or, – or just whatever. I, mean, I guess maybe because it's just so foreign to all of us, like who signs 13-year deals. Right. So I think that was it. He's just surprised. I heard, I heard that. that. I heard your, your deal is uh, that.
They're, you're guaranteed, right. but if you retire, you're not going to. Well, so you can't. He's got to be out there playing until he's 39. It's not deferred money like Bobby Bonilla, who's still getting no, paid right. after. But it is guaranteed. All he's got to do is show up, and then they say, "Well, you're not. You're no good anymore. Go home. Well, we'll keep paying you." Yeah, but if he if he can't play at all, so how is this different from a, a ten year deal at uh, 33 million, Jesse? And uh, the last three years, you know, he shows up and gets uh, here's a check. Or yeah, they release him and he gets a big well, check. Right. No, you, right. you're, you're 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 not you're not necessarily wrong about that. I just they wanted to say they say they save eight million a year for other players yeah. this way. Yeah, and the Cubs did the same thing with you, Darvish, just by adding one year. It was okay. going to be five years and one twenty-five. They went six years and one twenty-six to spread mm-hmm. out the because of this the the tax and everything. So uh, that's what I said. I mean, yeah. it, it, right. I don't think they're too worried about years ten through thirteen. It's mostly nah. about this first decade, exactly. first decade, and, and hopefully they win a couple championships. I'm sure is what they're thinking. All right, Wilson Contreras. Uh, he says, I'm going to be a little different this year. I'm not talking to Jesse. I'm going to, I'm going to be more focused. I'm going to be serious. Uh, he says, I've got, I've got the swing figured out. Here's a guy that two years ago uh, was going to, you know, people projected a possible MVP, you know, for 2017. And things just went downhill, downhill after about the middle or late 2017. What's his deal? Did he lose some weight uh, mentally? What's going on with the Cubs young catcher? Well, no, I think he's tweaking a lot of things. He's trying to get in the right place mentally. He says he's going to load earlier. He says he was late on some pitches. He's going to try to work on that pitch framing by turning his glove a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. when you struggle, you you look in the mirror and you make some changes. Um, now, you can't make too many changes because all of a sudden you're, you could be a, uh, that much further from the player you were that got you to the, to the majors in the first place. But you tweak. The teams, uh, pitchers adjusted to him. All that stuff is in play. Mm-hmm. It's just good to see him thinking about it, addressing it. And, and what he was talking about, he's just going to be a little bit more calm. And he said this before, and then all of a sudden you see him sort of get a little hyper. So let's see how he follows through on that. But all I like is the fact that a guy struggled and is addressing it. He's not ignoring it. Once in a while you'll see a guy. See, I think Carl Edwards ignored his struggles at times in the past. And even he is addressing it with a little bit of a, a change in delivery, which looked pretty good yesterday. There are some stubborn guys that say, oh, that's just baseball, I'll be better. But as a young player, you have to make adjustments. You have to tweak yourself a little bit. And he found something about his load. He's got to get in there earlier so he's not late on some pitches. And so far he's put the, put a, a drive into a couple balls. And, you know, he's just kind of like that, that he's addressing the, the weaknesses that he had and, and trying some different things. Jesse uh, Rogers, final couple of minutes with Murph and Fred. Jesse, the most boring topic uh, in baseball is framing, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, take a chance and uh, ask you something about framing. Mm-hmm. People think that framing, at least uh, maybe I'm wrong, but people think framing only means stealing a pitch that's a ball and sucking it back into the zone to trick the ump and get a strike. Isn't it just as much? Apple, where, okay, let's say you got Lester on the mound and uh, Contreras is behind the plate, and Lester throws a biting down and into a right-handed uh, hitter and slider down and in, and it catches the strike zone, right? But then it brings, it, it hits his glove and his glove drags out of the zone. In other words, his left hand goes out and now the ball, he catches it or drags it where it's a ball, and the ump will call incorrectly a strike the ball because he didn't keep a firm 
hand, the glove hand, and keep that keep that biting slider that's diving down towards the dirt and towards the bad right-handed batter's shoes. You got to suck it and keep it tight right there in the strike zone. So when I hear framing, most people just think you're stealing the ball and making it a strike. But is it not also trying to? keep a strike, present it to the ump, and not let your lazy glove fall out, and then the ump goes, oh, that must have been a ball. Absolutely. They keep track of both those stats, and I think you're right. It's a, That one is the under-talked about one. I, I think the other one is sort of the, the bigger one in, sure. in terms of um, stealing it, because I think if it's a strike, a lot of umpires will, will recognize it, but you're not wrong. They keep track of that, and um, I know that uh, Wilson is, is not at the top of the list in either category. You okay. know what I mean? It, it just, he, he, he has some of his issues. Now he's got his setup also, I think is something that we don't talk about with catchers as well. Not his setup, catchers setup in general, mm-hmm. where they are. If they're, if they're, we've seen Wilson, in fact, be kind of off the plate with the setup. Right. That doesn't help pitchers as well. Yeah. yeah really? We've seen it. Really? So all that's, yeah, all that stuff I think is in play and, and Wilson's working on it. I mean, he's definitely not at the top of, of the league. But you're not wrong, Murph. You can turn a strike into a ball. Um, but I don't think it's a, it happens as much as you might think. Sure. But the other side, the other side, definitely stealing strikes with the best catchers. Mm-hmm. That happens. That happens. You know, more often than than the other thing for Jess, sure. You brought up a point, Jess, about catchers because there are so many times we're sitting there watching a the game at home and you see a catcher line up and basically his glove is over the outside of the plate and he's basically out of the catcher's box almost. And it makes no yeah. sense, and you wonder, you know, and that's why a lot of fans, they see the pitch exactly where the catcher's glove is, and it's called a ball because it is a ball, because he's outside of the box. Dude, I mean, it's weird. Are they instructed to be setting up that way? And if not, why is it not changed where, you know, anybody watching a game can see it? Yeah, I think some pitchers like the setup. They don't want you okay. to move at the last. They want the early setup, the early target. They don't like you moving at the last minute. You okay. Know? Which is which is Wilson sets up early and sets up that target early, and you're not wrong. A lot of times it is, what you know, on the border line, on the corner there on the border. So I think it has to do with the pitcher more than anything, um, and wh- when he likes that setup. But uh, I think the best catchers, you know, move that target at the last second, so nobody knows it's coming, or the ump's not fooled by it, or whatever the case may be. But it's not a bad question to sort of dive into a little bit more. Sure, on. sounds like an upcoming Jesse piece with Cubs catching guru Barzello. <laughs> Mike Porzello, he's good at that stuff. There's no doubt. He's been all over. And he's got to be good at something. Yeah, now. he's got to be good at doing yeah. something. What's his nickname, Borzo or what? What you guys got name? Borzy. 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 You're like that was all your hockey <laughs> like days covering the right? Blackhawks. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, Jesse, we're up against the clock. David yeah. Ross on. Uh, ESPN 1000 uh, yesterday talking about a possible leader in the locker room. The only guy that, uh, that, that Theo really picked up over the offseason position guy is, let's listen, Daniel uh, Descalzo. A guy like Daniel Descalzo, and I kind of pick up, uh, he, he's he got great leadership qualities. I talked to Tori Lovello, him coming over from the Diamondbacks uh, last few years and raved about his leadership, holding guys accountable, exactly what you're talking about. Um, and his production on the field. This guy is a phenomenal player. He knows his role. He knows what he's doing. He replaced Tommy LaStella, basically. He, he's a, a better uh, match out there. He can play second, third, corner outfield. How about your guy, uh, uh, Tommy LaStella, played uh, bad cleanup for the Angels the other day? What the heck? 
and, ba- and batted four, uh, batted clean up and played first base. I mean, it's like, <laughs> what, what, what did they did, did they think they had Anthony Rizzo over there? Or what? Yeah, it was strange. We're going to see him next week. We, you know, the Cubs play the Angels. Uh-huh. That was weird. Um, but th- listen, I think they, they, I think Descalso is going to be a leader quicker than you might think for Good. a 25th man and a new player. I think the other players want him to lead. Like they're looking for a leader. It goes back to Joe Madden being more hands on. I think they want. Joe involved. They want Descalso. So, you know, usually you think he's got to earn it. I think he's already on the verge of earning it the way I see it. That way, you know, Rizzo doesn't have to be David Ross. Descalso can be the David Ross. So I think he's going to be a leader pretty quickly on this team is the the way I see it. Cool. I don't know that a vet... Is it fair to call the Cubs a veteran team right now? I believe it is. Uh, These guys are all third-year, fourth-year guys. They've been together some since the minor leagues. It's hard to imagine a guy, even though Descalso, I hear he's he's just a top-notch character, integrity guy. It's just hard for me to see, Fred, a guy coming in, you know, with To a new team, All these guys, they've been together. Here he comes. But if he's that that good, Jesse, then that'll be a a nice, uh, you know, extra guy to have. There's no doubt it's half the reason they brought him in. It really is. They, they, They need that kind of guy. And uh, I think he's going to be that guy. I really do. Jesse's going over to Talking Stick now. He's going to interview some of the Reds. (laughs) That's bad year. That's in bad year. Yeah, it takes about a year to get there. (laughs) Exactly. Jesse, great job. I know you're a busy guy, but you always have time for us. We appreciate it. Now go to work. Thanks, Jess. All right, guys. Take care. (laughs) Jesse Rogers. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Murph and Fred, busy day. Uh, We're going to... do a little bears then we got uh, mlb talk coming up ned coletti a national baseball guy longtime gm uh back on the bears beat around 11 30 our guy dan shaka uh right on top of everything at the indianapolis uh combine etc so we'll step aside hey check out our twitter poll more to come vote at espn 1000 Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Halfway home. Mark and Fred, three hours every Saturday. That would mean we're about an hour and a half into it. Ned Coletti in a little while going to stop by and visit with us talking MLB, White Sox, and Cubs. Uh, Bears at the bottom of the hour uh, with a look at uh, the upcoming Indianapolis Combine. Fred, we devoted a lot of... Currently uh, going on. It's wrapping up. Uh, it's well, wrapping up this the next day or two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank right. you. We uh, did a lot of bear, uh, bullies, bulls talk in the first half hour after the crazy, uh, exhausting... Uh, we needed an IV and uh, oxygen at home, Fred. Yeah. It was, it was an, crazy. an amazing game. Yeah. Four overtimes, uh, 168 to 161. <laughs> bulls have now won five out of six. And uh, they play Atlanta again tomorrow afternoon at 2.30 here at home at the United Center. Third most points in an NBA game in NBA history. Most points ever in a game for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, 17 times the game was tied. 22 lead changes. And earlier before the show, hey, uh, come on, open up your microphone there, uh, uh, 
EL11, Eric Ostrowski. Uh, Eric, we had the idea and you worked on it and we're going to play it now. Uh, what was the concept and uh, uh, how do you uh, work the magic back there? What goes into this sort of uh, uh, Bulls mini mix of the uh, four overtimes? Um, so we thought that we wanted to get a highlight at the end of each session. So at the end of the game, end of the first OT, second OT, etc. Uh-huh. Um, so we have a website that I can go to where I, sh- I can pull up old TV, like basically like go back in the log. In I love sense. Lucy. And yeah, I could if I wanted to. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so Bewitched then I just... with both Darrens? <laughs> both Darrens. Yeah. So If they were both there at once, you'd really have yeah, a Yeah, things story. are getting weird now. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people love Lucy. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> So then I just went and scrolled through the game and found, like, the last highlight in the end of the game. Uh And I pulled it from NBC Sports Chicago. So I pulled Mm -hmm. it from Stacey and uh, Adam, who was in with him yesterday. It was Andy Dimitri. Andy. I said Adam again. I did this earlier, too. Um, so and I then, did that, and then each highlight from each each moment, put a little sound effect in between them. Okay. Yeah. All right. So in case you missed it or you're out at the uh, uh, local uh, uh, lounge last night, you saw it, but you didn't hear it, uh, EO11, let's hear what you got. And could this be eight straight points down the stretch by Otto Porter to rescue the Bulls from the break? Here it is. Got it. That's big. That's big right there. Now we got to get back. Don't let anybody catch it. Evan searching, finds Prince. I don't think he gets it off in time. It did get to the iron. Wow. We got extra basketball in Atlanta thanks to some heroics by Otto Porter. Comes through in the clutch. To overtime we go. Not at 124. Eight seconds to play. Hawks have one timeout left. They will let him go. Young on the dribble. On the drive. Double clutches it good. One second left. Inbound, Levine from half court for the win, and we go to a second overtime in Atlanta. And it's Trey Young. Who else with the game time bucket? It's Lopez. Hands off Porter. Porter slashes in for the win. No good. And to a third overtime. Stacy Kills. Andy, I hope you didn't have anything planned tonight, like dinner or a movie, um, because uh, you're not going to make it, man. Hawks thought they'd have to defend the final possession. Now they have a chance to win in the third overtime. Baysmore was open. Comes out long to land the heave. No good. Not going anywhere for a while. Let's have a slippers. <laughs> Four overtimes in Atlanta. Time will tick. And we are done. Thumbs up for Jim Boylan as his team grinds out a four overtime, 168 to 161 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Two guys who both had career highs, Trey Young and Zach Levine. Levine with 47. A lot of tired legs on that flight home to Chicago, but it'll be a triumphant flight for the Bulls who win a fifth in their last six. Great job, Eric Ostrowski. Highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago. And I know, we know Fred from our Twitter polls over the last month or so, 9% of the Bulls fans enjoyed uh, hearing the victory. Yeah. Well, you know what? Well, <laughs> they may see another one tomorrow. Um, we'll see. We'll see who's the, uh, the most tired uh, after yeah. yesterday's uh, four-overtime game and uh, all the points that were scored. Bulls with three players with more than 30. You had Zach Levine with career-high 47, nine mm-hmm. 
uh, rebounds, nine assists. Uh, Otto Porter, 31 and 10 rebounds. Also, you had Larry Markinen with 31 and 17 rebounds. First time in uh, Bulls franchise history. It's three guys over 30, I saw. That helps when you go four overtimes. Well, well of course yeah. it does. Yeah, it helps a lot. <laughs> if you get three guys over 30 and you play regulation, that's, yeah. then you're doing something. Yeah, you play 68 minutes, anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the Bulls, in fact, I don't know if you say they lost a game or gained a game uh, in uh, Tankathon. They were four games solidly uh, ahead of the fifth worst team, Atlanta. Uh, now they are three games right. solidly ahead of that dreaded uh, fifth slot in the lottery ping pong balls. Uh, victory tomorrow over Atlanta. And that'll go at five or two. Oh, just two games. Two. Yeah. So twelve and a half percent down to ten percent. Yeah. Oh boy, you don't want that. Well, you'll see. I mean, you, you, st- <laughs> you still have two games, but uh, from what we understand, Atlanta's got an, uh, uh, a tougher schedule, which in this aspect would mean mm-hmm. you know they would have a tougher time winning. Where the Bulls apparently have an easier schedule down the road. Now the Bulls are two and a half games away from Cleveland mm. for that number three spot. So oh yeah, yeah. So that's not nearly as good. Bulls have won six of the last ten. Uh, Cleveland, four of their last ten. Atlanta, just three of their last ten. And uh, the Bulls' record when Porter plays, they're 5-0. and oh. He missed a game about two games ago with the uh, calf. They lost that game. So it's been a whole different deal. And I know about 91% of you wish that they would just start losing some of these games. Yeah, a quick uh, little baseball note here, Fred. Uh, earlier this week, I believe it was Thursday, uh, Anthony Rizzo was on. I guess he's going to be a, a weekly uh, visitor again, as he's done for the last few with years. Cap. Yep, uh, Cap and Company. With Cap. And remember a couple of weeks ago, we wanted to talk about how uh, Joe Madden uh, is going to be uh, distributing to the players uh, the next game's uh, lineup actually two or three days in advance for each series. Right. And we were saying, oh, boy, you know, some players, uh, they're not going to like the fact that uh, they don't see their name in there. And, and I poo-pooed it. I think he was like, well, come on, right? Yeah. Just be ready. Yeah. Uh, they, they should always be ready. And uh, right now mm. they're they're told... You know, basically uh, the the day before, and here they were talking about the possibility telling them uh, at the beginning of each series. Yeah, I think it would be difficult if they said, "Listen, you're not going to play till the third game." Well, you know, Anthony seemed to say, uh, "Well, let's listen to him." Some of the guys might not like this new system. Hmm? Joe also said that he will let you guys know before a series what his plan is, as opposed to like you'd been on with me many times. You go, "Oh, I got a got a text. I'm leading off tonight," or "I got a text. I'm not playing." Today. Do you like this change that will be series by series? I don't think it really is going to affect me as much playing every day, but it's it's honestly the the guys that are you know maybe platooning or getting not the everyday guys. Not really sure how they all. I mean, I'm sure some of the guys will love it, some guys won't. But the open line of communication is always the best part about Joe. You know, you could say he's an open book, and that's. That's really good as a player to be able to go and just talk to your manager about anything. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it, that's the one yeah. thing that and Chris Bryant said the same thing yesterday about, you know, how easy it's been playing for Joe and all that stuff. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out as the season goes along. So uh, 
Oh, I'm not starting for two or three days. I'm upset. I guess that's the deal, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, or, or you know, some of the guys might get upset, but you know what? If you're a better player, you'd yeah. be starting more often. I love it. So figure it out. You're in the major leagues. Don't worry about it. Got to take a quick break. Back in a flash. Murph and Fred on the Saturday with you at ESPN 1000. Saturday? When the sun come out? When we start talking about uh, Tom Skilling's February? Uh, when we start talking about the Cubs, I guess, as, as the sun came out. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, And uh, a few minutes here to shoehorn in a little uh, Bears talk. And a uh, Bears uh, Twitter poll question right now, which has been uh, gathering a lot of votes here over the last two or three hours. Uh, let's see here. We'd be this one. Uh, a Bears uh, fans, if the Bears draft a running back, you know, in the third round, that would be their first pick, Fred. Yep. Uh, Unless they make a trade or uh-huh. something, right? Exactly right. If the Bears do draft a running back in the third round, A, well, you keep uh, Taquan uh, Mizell, good number 33. B, you keep Jordan Howard. What? No, that's not. The- oh, okay, me. Or C, Keep them both. All right. Everyone's, uh, see, Jordan Howard doesn't fit into what they do, but he's still a sort of interesting guy to have, Fred. Does well, he? yeah, but, yeah, I mean, if you can find someone better no, to, uh, right. that does what they, you know, if you could find a guy like Kareem Hunt that's not Kareem <laughs> Hunt, apparently, mm-hmm. uh, that's what you're looking for. And um, so, you know, I get a feeling that's exactly what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are going to be looking for. They, so. need, they need a guy. That can get out in space a little bit, but not a, a, a Cohen, not a Tree Cohen no. guy. But you still need, maybe you don't need more, that load guy in December that can ram the ball up the gut. Yeah, uh, I mean, how, I know they don't do that, but don't you still want to have them available? Or? No, I mean, not if it's going to cost you. I mean, yeah. see, I don't understand why they stopped throwing to him last year. Maybe in practice he didn't catch the ball, because in games he caught the ball You're last exactly year. Exactly right. Early in the season, I was surprised how he was catching the ball, and then they stopped throwing to him, and I couldn't quite understand why they stopped throwing to him. Maybe there was something in practice where he dropped passes, and they said, listen, we can't do this in games. Well, you know, we can't uh, afford it. Right. Once a year, I always drive down to Bourbon A and as a fan, you know, walk in. And the one small sample size, but he was brutal down there. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you well, know, know, like the, the old, remember the old metal garbage cans like that? Those are like his hands clang. And you see enough of those, maybe like you said, in practice. Yeah, maybe. And you get a little gun shy. Yeah, they forget. They say, listen, we're not even going to risk it in the, in the games that you can't catch them in practice. Forget about it. So what do the Bears need to improve? Well, we know the usual uh, round up the usual suspects. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, another offensive lineman. They're going to have to get either that slot uh, back nickel, uh, maybe the uh, box. Save. But here, here is Dan Orvlowski does a great job. He was on, I believe, with Cap earlier this week. This is pretty short, about 30 seconds or so. What the Bears need to improve. Notice he will mention in the beginning and then... Again, at the end, he'll come back to tight end. What do the Bears need to do this offseason for you to say, yeah, they're taking the next step? Well, if you just look at it offensively, <clears throat> I think surely you got to go with um, Adam Shaheen and go, are you going to take the next step for us? You know, Are you really going to become the number two-ish slash number one tight end that we really envision you being? 
and your production growing. And then Mitchell, can he make sure that – because there were some times he had those slow starts, right? So why were there those slow starts offensively and at the quarterback spot? And how do they make sure that those, they don't happen? And then why was the run game not what it was expected to be offensively? So I know we talked about do they move on from Jordan Howard or not? Is there a running back that they like? You don't want to get a Tariq Cohen. You don't want another guy like that. You want somebody who does fit a little bit more of like a, a Mark Ingram-type role where there's a little bit of a physical, you know, traditional running back bruiser. I would look at running back and then making sure that that second tight end position really, if it's, if it's Shaheen, great. If not, entertaining looking because it's a really deep draft for tight end as well. He went back uh, twice to tight ends right. in the beginning and then, you know, this is the make or break year for Shaheen. Sure it is. I loved him. I've always, you know, been right on his side and he's let me down. Injuries don't help. But Fred, a number two pick. Yeah. You can't be blowing those number two picks. Well, you can't, but they blew <laughs> They blew Kevin White with the number one pick. I know. Well, so they screwed that one up too. So, you know, and and Shaheen was more of a reach from Ashland College. So, um, you know, um, maybe uh, Ryan Pace is finally learning what you can and can't do as a as a general manager. You know, his hands seem okay. He's got the size. Got to stay healthy. You can't. He has well, been I, able to stay yeah. healthy. That's the biggest problem. I don't even know if he's the blocker that they expected him uh, right. to be. We don't know. You know, it's hard to find a tight end that can do both. Obviously, no. uh, this week also not drafting a tight end in the second round yeah. because he's a good blocker. Yeah, like well, you're looking right. for a playmaker. No, but they thought, and that's what he hasn't well, been yet. Well, well, exactly right. It's funny though. His first year, he had. Three catches and they were all for touchdowns. Yeah, all because red, red that's zone, what, right, bang, bang. that's what you used them for. That's why you got him. And then he gets hurt. And he he hasn't really developed ever since then. So you know, eleven. If the Bears uh, draft a running back in the uh, third round, a uh, keep Mizell, number thirty three. Keep Jordan Howard. C keep both of them. Uh, it's going to be a runaway, right? Sixteen percent say keep both. Twenty hmm. percent see uh, say keep Taquan Mizell, and sixty four percent say might as well keep Jordan Howard as I, well. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I said, threw it out there. I was going to be out of step, Charlie. I said to keep Mizell because wow. because he's the cheaper guy and he's the guy that can do a few other things. And interesting, you know, uh, going out. I think I think the guy they're trying to replace is Jordan Howard in his Every, last year. Right. I mean, everyone I, I hear says, well, you know, they'll replace him with the the new draft. Well, sixty percent of the Bears guys say keep. Howard also. Yeah. Hey, let's take a break. Uh, Ned Cluddy going to join us with a little uh, national baseball and Cubs and Sox in a few minutes. Get back on the Bears beat later in the 11 o'clock hour. Quick break. Stepping aside. Hope you're having a great Saturday. It's Murph and Fred ESPN 1000. Three, Murph and Fred, Saturday morning in Chicago. What's that outside? The sun is out, huh? Uh-huh. Yikes. Yep. Tom Skilling said. Well, before before uh, all hell breaks loose. Fourth worst February in uh, Chicago weather history as far as amount of sunshine. Uh, there was none uh, the last time that bed. Uh, 1962. 1962, Fred. Oh, yeah. 
That's when my Cubs were bad, and uh, probably a young Ned Coletti was starting to watch baseball and going, "I've got to, I got to watch this team." I just wish what Ned phoned in. Hey, let's visit with longtime general manager of the LA Dodgers, longtime assistant general manager of San Francisco Giants, assistant general manager of Chicago Cubs, Jimmy Fry, and the often forgotten Larry Himes. <clears throat> also, he's a National Hockey League expert. I wonder how his fantasy league is doing this year. <laughs> And friends with everyone in the famous group Chicago. Because they're all, you know, out there by the Franklin Park, those West Side guys. Let's say hello, good morning to Ned Coletti. Murph and Fred, hey, Ned. Gentlemen, good to be with you. It is pouring out here. It's like a biblical uh, flood scene out my window here today. So glad you got sunshine. <laughs> we do. We it's, do. It's only going to be below zero in two days. So, you know, <laughs> so it changes It changes rapidly here. It was 36 yesterday. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Ned, I was, oh, the, I was the dope last Saturday that said we've broken the back of old man winter. It will snow again, but it'll never be below zero again and, yeah. and uh, minus two for uh, tomorrow night. Fans, say hi to Ned Coletti, Ned, I don't know where to start, but I now I do. I, here's what I'd like to ask a guy that knows the, the baseball game, and you've sat in the big chair. A great book, by the way, The Big Chair by Ned Coletti. Ned, uh, so much talk in the last couple of weeks, you know, about the uh, 300, uh, $330 million guys, but not much talk about behind the scenes and the agents. Now, fans hate... I think we can say most fans hate uh, us, uh, Scott uh, Boros. In fact, EL11, we've had a Twitter poll online there for about three hours. You know, if you pull that up in a minute, uh, the question was, would you want, this is for everybody, would you want Scott Boros as your agent? Yes or no? Everyone, oh, we hate that guy. We hate that guy. I don't know if his clients hate him. EL11, what the fans say? 65% of the people voted said yes. They would take really? Scott Boris as their agent. And 100% hate him. But 65% would take him. They like money. All right, let's ask Ned Coletti. Ned, you've dealt with from the big chair and assistant GM for so many years, probably dozens or hundreds of agents. Uh, the agent's job is to do the best they can for the player. Uh, that's pretty simple, right? Yep. Uh-huh. How many times have you, after you slammed that phone down, back in the old days, that goes back to when the phone was actually... When you actually had phones, phone yeah. with the dial and you slammed <laughs> right. it. It was more fun in the old days, Ned. Boom, you can slam the phone down. Now it's hard to you don't slam. Sl you don't slam your cell phone down, you need another one. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sure, a uh, respectful love-hate, uh, but... Tell us a little bit about, you have, I'm sure, uh, dealt with uh, Scott Boros one-on-one -on -one, uh, with guys, right? Oh, many times. Tell many times. I think my first dealing with Scott was back when, and think how far, how long ago this was, Greg Maddox had three years of service. Think about that. He pitched about 25 years. He's been retired about eight. That's how long it goes back. Uh -huh. The major deals with Scott, uh, Greg, and then Barry Bonds was with the Giants, uh, Manny Ramirez, a few others here and there. Um Scott is probably the most well-prepared agent I've ever dealt with, and he, his thought process, I think, is um, uh, always forward-thinking. And I think as I looked at this past negotiation with, with Bryce Harper, 
I know it was important for him to get, obviously, the most guaranteed money in North American sports history uh, and, a, and a lot of length, because coming behind him, another Scott Boris client, is Rendon, the third baseman. Coming behind him, another Scott Boris client, is Bryant. Coming behind him is the Dodgers' Seager, and then behind him is Bellinger. You've got all very, very good players here. So this was an opportunity for Scott to set the floor for all those negotiations. If Rendon ends up having a better year than year or two until he's a free agent than Harper had, that will be the floor. Same thing for Bryant, same thing for Bellinger and Seager, and, and many others, too. So not many think like that, but I'm pretty sure that that is part of his thought process as he, as he goes through this, because now he's going to be able to point to somebody else and say, well, wait a minute. This guy's better than Bryce. He ought to be getting 15 years, or he ought to be getting 35 million a year times 13. But when you look at it, though, I, I kept saying, uh, you look at Machado and you look at Harper. What we kept hearing was these guys are 26 years old. They're just 26. They get all this time, and it was almost to me like you know, there's no doubt they are both they're both good players. I'm not saying great. They're both good players, and. It seems like they got that kind of money only because they're 26 and they were available this year. I think you're right, and uh, I agree. Uh, I think uh, when you have a historic contract, and you had two of them back-to-back, really, uh, it it should be, in my opinion, a historic player. And and I, I saw Manny up close here for three months, really talented guy. Not afraid to say he's not going to run all the time. Right. You know, which to me is yeah. like, this is going to be the face of your franchise, the example to your younger players. Mm. It's tough to really teach that piece of it, you know? You're going to run 80 feet if you don't, if that's all you feel like running. And Bryce, too. I've seen Bryce's whole National League career. And another really, really good player. Historic player? I don't know. I think Mike Trout is probably a historic player. You know, I don't think that necessarily Bryce is there yet. Historic contracts should be given to historic players, in my opinion. Ned Coletti, in your terrific book that's still available, uh, The Big Chair. You uh, had a great full chapter when you were a general manager of the Dodgers, and you'd be kicking the tires, uh, you know, of a particular free agent. About 15, 20 things you would do, you know, have to do first. Everything from first day, you have to talk to your owner. Make sure the money's there. You don't want to spin your own wheels and the agent of the player. Uh, you would go uh, look at the medical. Uh, uh, you would talk to scouts. Uh, you would, uh, you know, the old thing, you know, basically look back to his high school days. What kind of guy was he? Uh, does that go on with someone of the Harper or Manny? Do the GMs, of course, they got to clear the owner with the dough, but is, is there as much? Uh, you know, uh, intel or research uh, for a guy like this, or how how, how does it uh, boil down? But we just want him, and the owner says, "Crazy money, the Phillies. We got to get him." How, how do you view these big name guys? Uh, any different from like the marginal uh, fifth starting pitcher that you were looking at to be a free agent signing? Great question. I think it's. Uh, I think you have to be completely um, thorough. No matter if it's three hundred million or if it's a million, I think it's your practice, it's your process, and I I would take the same amount of time and the same steps if it was 
pretty much anybody. Um, minor league contract on a veteran, yeah, maybe a little bit less there because you'd have an opportunity to see it firsthand before you had to decide if you were going to put him on a big league roster. But other than that, I think the process uh, is the process. And I think you know, even more so uh, when you have somebody that you're going to be signing for 10 years, 13 years, 7 years, 8 years, you know, all of those, because you're, you're living with them for a long time. And the only piece of it that is guaranteed is the money that the player gets. Hmm. The performance isn't guaranteed. Yeah. The yeah. attitude isn't guaranteed. Yeah. Nothing, is, nothing else is guaranteed but the, the dollar figure. You know, uh, being being a, a former GM and a guy that's done this, I just had to ask you about this because there was a big story in the local paper the other day because the White Sox were in apparently on both of these guys and finished second on the Manny Machado and decided not to get in on the Harper after their meeting. Maybe Scott Boris said, "Listen, we appreciate it. Um, you know, Bryce enjoyed talking to Jim Tomei, but we're going to go a different direction." The headline of the article the other day was VP. Kenny Williams says it's a shame if the White Sox are portrayed as cheap. Now, during the interview, he said, and I, this is the part I had to re, he said, whomever you're speaking of who thinks we're cheap, there's nothing I can say that will make them feel better. He should have stopped there. Now, you're a general manager. Once something happens, and if if you were out to get somebody didn't get them, there's no winning this. The fans are always going to be saying that you screwed up, Correct. Well, the fans have to make up their own opinion. Okay. And, the, the, you know, the best way to do it is probably just to, you know, if, if you feel that it's necessary to, uh, to explain what your offer was, which a lot of, a lot of people do, um, let the fans decide if that's cheap or not. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to spend your money, another thing to spend somebody else's money. <laughs> No, no. Well, it's interesting too because you know what they were trying to say is that well, listen, we if if in fact Manny would stay healthy for years nine and ten or eight and nine, he'd get more money. He'd get three hundred and twenty million instead of the three hundred million. But that big G, I know you did the big chair, but the big G guaranteed is is what they're looking for, correct? Oh, no doubt, and they're looking for term too. You know, it's it's interesting because the rumors out out west were that the Dodgers had offered in the vicinity of forty two to forty five million. I don't know if it's fact or fiction on a four year deal, right? For Bryce Harper, let him go back out there at thirty, and he wanted he wanted the term, and he wanted obviously not an AA. I mean, he would have loved an AAV in the forties, going times thirteen years, but you know, had a give and take on one or the other, and uh, if it's accurate, what people have reported about LA uh, that. And uh, and really the Giants too, to a lesser extent. Right. That you know that that was that was the, the the direction he chose. He said he wanted to be with one team, got a no trade, doesn't need an out, and he's going to make his make his home and, and go there for thirteen years. But I tell you what, these deals they're tough to do. From the, at least in my opinion, they're tough. I signed Kershaw to a seven year deal. I signed Bonds to a five year deal. Probably the two longest ones in my career. And Kershaw obviously Cy Young Award winner, maybe the pitcher of this generation. But still tough to do, because when you add it up, yeah. you're signing something for seven years. You're looking at two hundred and ten to two hundred or two hundred and ten to two hundred and twenty games started. Yeah, that's what you're looking at. And and what a lot of different things can happen at that point in time. And and Clay, his lease was somebody that would work out all the time and, and really took great great care of himself. So you didn't have to worry about that or off the field stuff as good as gold. But you know, injuries happen, and not everybody's as good as gold. You told me once I'm the only guy that called him Clay. Now you do or what? You're stealing my bit? Yeah, a little bit. I figured this was the show to do it. 
<laughs> well, it's funny too because he's he's you know you talk about a seven year deal and it's still they just had to sign him again recently right to a three year deal yep. I think so and you know well, he, had a, he, had, he had one more he had two years left he had an out so they gave him one more year so it's really a one year extension okay okay and now he, and now right off the, right off the bat in spring training he's he's out, out on the sideline because his his arms bothering him so there you go yeah it's there really difficult go. yep visiting with Ned Coletti a long time baseball GM, assistant GM, Chicago guy. Used to hang out there at the ballpark. He'd take the, uh, was it the Addison bus or the Belmont bus down? To, Addison Street bus down to Clark, <laughs> and then I have to sneak on on the way home because I was out of money. <laughs> and it wasn't like I brought a lot of money with me. <laughs> no, not the uh, palaces in Franklin Park you grew up in, huh? No, no we, uh, we, we scraped by. You know, yeah. when I met you, yeah. it, was, it was like a 65-cent ticket. Oh, I know that. Ticket. Yeah. yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I made a buck and a half, uh, you know, cutting the neighbor's grass. Now they won't do it for 20. 20 bucks! In the, <laughs> I'm staying in the basement. I'm not cutting the neighbor's grass for 20 bucks. Ned, uh, misinformation. Now, this is not just government or espionage. Misinformation. So, you're the GM, you're dealing with an agent, and uh, we the fans... You know, we rely on whatever we can hear, and there's some guys out there that have good sources and other guys, you know, uh, that don't have good sources. Uh, you know, not to name names, but like John Heyman, you know, I wouldn't want to name names, you know, or, uh, you know, God love him, Peter Gammon. Certain guys have certain, but what do the fan, how does a fan digest through when all of a sudden you're hearing all these reports, but then it turns out they weren't there. These are planted. Now, not specific, no one guy, but sometimes what the agent plants the story to try to create a false market. And as a GM, do, do you guys ever plant a false story to try to upset the apple cart? Tell the fans a little about all the intrigue behind the scenes. Well, it, it is far different than what they know. I can tell them that. And it's, <clears throat> it is a, um, you know, it's it's a great emotional ride, I guess, if you get the player you want, at least at least at the opening. But it's there's a lot of information that is bandied about and really is thrown out there to get reaction, and is thrown out there to really increase market, as you say. I would say the the only thing I I ever did was if if there was a player that a competitor really really wanted that I did not have a whole lot of interest in. And the agent would call me to try and roust up some interest. And if he had other players that I really did have an interest in, I'd say, you know, help me get to this guy. And you can say all day long, I'm in heavy on this guy. And I'm the guy I'm really not heavy on. Okay. That way the opposition can go and overspend thinking that I'm in the weeds and yeah. I can end up getting the guy I really want. But that's there's been teams that have done that for decades. The Yankees, I'm sure, used to do that because they were the, the kingpin with the Steinbrenner era where they could run a price up on somebody, maybe the Red Sox or the Orioles in the Orioles' heyday or the Blue Jays. You know, Run up the price on somebody and then uh, kind of disappear. But other than that, you know, it's funny to read what I read and to know what I know and to see how so much of it is is different. And I wonder where the sources are. Is the source the Bellman at the hotel? Is the source uh, the writer themselves making up something or whatever? I mean, it's yeah. it's in that day and age because you got so much media and it, it, you don't have a journalism degree anymore to to be to write a blog or to, to even write for a newspaper. Right. So it's it's a whole different dynamic than it was 
years ago. Do do the agents? Uh, this is something I've been wondering about because uh, I, with the Manny Machado situation, when the Padres get him and the White Sox don't, we had heard that the agent came back and said, "Listen, Padres made their final offer. You need to make your final offer." When agents tell you that, do they tell you what the final offer is from the other team, or do they just say that there's been an offer made? And you have to try. I think and of an agent, and everybody does it differently. I okay. think an agent that wants, if that's how it goes, and and you're getting, you're taking final offers. You got two teams, and if the player's choice is really team B, then I think that the agent would say, "Look, here's what you got to beat. He'd love to be there. This is where he wants to be. Okay, this is the deal. This is what you got to beat." And and that happens. And is is that accurate? Well. If, you don't know. You don't know. You know. You have to trust in the agent. You know, and we think about scouting, and we think about you know scouting a player, right? When you sit in the big chair, you've got to scout everybody. You've got to scout your own scouts. Some guys <laughs> love guys no matter what. Some guys will wait, say no wait, to anybody. Wait, say, yeah, give us that again. <laughs> you got to. You got to scout everybody. Your own. You gotta, I mean, you I, you know, scout, the agents I knew. Scout your I knew own who scout. would lie to me. Yeah. But, <laughs> Yeah, I knew who would, you know who would would play with the truth. Who would say, "Hey, I've got I've got four and sixty on a player," meaning you've got four years, and then you put in your mind times fifteen million equals sixty. I got four and sixty. Well, I knew the guy was fooling with me. He may have had a four year deal at ten million and a sixty million dollar at ten million. So four times fifteen, he doesn't have. <laughs> But okay. he's going to say, I've got four and 60 to make you give you the illusion of four in your own mind times 15 oh, back to him is 60. So you have to scout everybody. I had scouts that I knew were great with pitching. I knew scouts who would say yes to anybody, who would say no to anybody <laughs> as far as I don't like them. I don't like them. And so you have to, you have to scout everybody. You have to know how they all do business. And some agents you could be you could be just be open with. Some GMs you could just be open with. Jimmy Hendry and I used to have great conversations. There was no dancing around, there was no beating around a the bush, there was no no uh, you know subterfuge. Sure. It was all just real. And uh, you know, there's a lot of guys like that. But uh you know that you gotta know. You gotta know who your audience is and you gotta know who you're talking to. Because at the end of the day, and people and players when they say this they say it with disdain, but if it, but they're making millions, you know, it is a business. And so, sure. you know, you have a, you have a lot of people that have worked really hard to get to the spot they're in, whether they're agents, GMs, executives, scouts, whatever. And so, they they do all they can to be successful and to work at it. And if they got to be a little ruthless here and there, you know what they they some find a find a means to be a little ruthless. I have to scout my own scouts. That's beautiful. Well, yeah, you have to know how they think. Right. Really, some say yeah. yes to everything. Some say no to everything. Yeah. <laughs> and some are good at pitching, and some are yeah. good at hitting. Yeah, uh, in Chicago, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, there's a you know a, a illusion out there. Maybe it's true. Free agent basketball guys. They don't want to come to Chicago right now. Well, team's not doing well. But the weather. Oh, the weather. Now, have you ever had a negotiation where you and another team were dead even with the money, and the player had to make a decision? They make the decisions at that point, Ned, with the agent. Of course, based on family, uh, weather. Have you ever had something goofy where, you know, I thought I had this guy, but he wanted to go there because his girlfriend or the weather uh, or whatever? Uh, how often or does that ever happen? 
Well, we we have. You're right. It does happen. It's part of the thought process, I believe, of the player and the agent and the team. I had one player who was coming from a smaller town when I was GM of the Dodgers, and in my conversation with him during the winter meetings, he kept asking me about the traffic in L.A. <laughs> and where you live, is young family, where you live, how long it's going to take me to get to the ballpark, and it kept coming back to this. How you know what? What are the highways like? And, and it was really a, a traffic conversation, <laughs> as much as a baseball conversation. So I knew right that I ended that meeting. I said, "This guy can come in here. You know what are we going to do? Like, like shut the shut the roads down for him? You know?" So I knew that wasn't happening. But you know, in California, you have a lot of state tax, right? And so that is a conversation that you, that California teams, I'm sure, hear all the time. And the best example I can give you that I had to kind of work around it was with Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke, when I signed him, I gave him a six-year deal for 140 some, and with a three-year out. First of all, I was cool with the out because with a pitcher, you're going to get to a certain point in time, and no matter who it is, really, and it's going to st- the the stuff will start to come back a little bit. And and Zach is one of the Zach and Maddox maybe as as two as smart of pitchers, genius type guys I've ever been around. But he also had a great offer from the Texas Rangers. And his wife had worked in, in Dallas for a while. So there was a little bit of a poll to go there. Now, you know what state tax is in Texas? There's none, right? There's none. Yeah. So for $145 million, 10% versus zero <laughs> is $14.5 million. So how was I going to make that up to him without giving him $165 million, which I wasn't going to do? The way I did it was to give him an out and to give him a chance to change his mind, see what it was like, and, and all that. Because I also knew that he was a guy that you know, loved to be, uh, as we all do, in a comfortable environment where you feel good about where you live, where you work, your teammates, your whole deal. So that was something that, uh, you know, we don't have the weather, you know, except for today, we don't have the weather here that people you know, frown upon. But we do have a pretty good state tax that you have to work around, and there's some states that don't have it. So hmm. you do compete with that. Uh, from another standpoint, you think about fourteen and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned and to make it up, you know. You mentioned Zach Ranke, and the one thing I saw uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was looking, and in his current deal, he's got sixty-two point five deferred. So when he's done playing, he's still going to get sixty-two point five million over a certain number of years. So I yep. think that's a smart idea. Uh, other people think, well, don't you want the money ahead of time so you can do with what you want? Well, yeah, but it's fine, but it's also nice knowing you still have 62.5 coming after you retire. That's right. Yeah. Or how about Bobby Bonilla? He'll be paid longer than Bryce Harper. He yeah. hasn't played for 20 years. That's that's that amazing. I, I love that one. So, uh, Ned Coletti, last uh, uh, thought here. How is your uh, hockey uh, fantasy league going, my friend? Hockey's great. Boy, watch four games a night sometimes. Most, most of the time, three games a night. Uh, West Coast, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock, I'll tape one. Uh-huh. Watch that back. Stay in touch with my good friend Doug Wilson, great Blackhawk, who uh, runs the Sharks now. And actually going to go to Staples today to watch the Blackhawks play. Yeah, I was so, going to say, uh, afternoon game. to see them. Season ticket holder there with John McDonough and Jay Blunk. And uh, I don't get back much, but got enough family back there that go a lot. 
But the uh, only time I've ever had season tickets. I, I, was, uh, I was at the uh, <clears throat> Blackhawk Day game, uh, matinee Sunday, saw Jay Blunk. All he did was talk about you. I'm trying to get him to talk about hockey. Tell, you see, Ned, you're talking to Tell Ned I said hello. <laughs> How about uh, Kane and uh, Taves, uh, two future Hall of Famers? Uh, it's been a great run, and they got hot there a little bit. But that's that tough spot, and John McDonough knows as well as anyone Rocky works. You have your veterans who are both playing lights out this year at age 30, but you got to try to juggle the uh, all teams, uh, the salary yep. cap when you have that uh, particular uh, uh, crunch on your on your bottom line, right? The hard cap is, is tough to have a dynasty. What they were able to do there is phenomenal. And, you know, I tell people here all the time, we have the Lakers, obviously, that have really kind of fallen on hard times the last five or six years. Iconic franchise for decades. Winning is not easy. And when you have a hard cap like you got in the NHL, it makes it all the more difficult. You know, they, they needed to do what they did, sign Duncan, sign Corey, uh, you know, Jonathan and, and Patrick. I mean, you had to do that. How could you not do that? But then you end up with a situation where, you know, Bufflin's got to go. You know, Ladd had to go. A right. lot of guys, you know, Panarin, you know, on and on. And it, it's tough to juggle that. But that's, that's the league you're in. That's, that's the rules that they set forth. It's tough to do it. And what they were able to do in that short period of time was phenomenal. Ned Collette is going to go jog in the rain on the strand <laughs> out there on the uh, Pacific Ocean. And they go front. and they go watch the Hawks and the Kings. That is, exactly. Yes, I am. Yep. <laughs> hey, Ned, all your uh, friends in Chicago uh, love uh, hearing you, and uh, we always appreciate your personal time on ESPN Chicago. Thanks for joining us. See you soon, man. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thanks a lot, Enjoy Ned. the weather. Yes. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> the big chair, the big chair. Great read, a great read. Yeah, uh, it's great talking to a guy that was a general manager uh, and actually dealt with all these players and things like that. And uh, I, I was looking for someone to agree with me, and he basically said, they're, they're, "You know, they got historic contracts. Are they historic players?" It's a good question. He now does the uh, pre and post Dodger TV. Like you see the shows here for the right. uh, Cubs and the Sox. And he was probably in a good mood that we had him talking about the old, started to get his headaches big as migraines probably came back thinking about all that stuff. Yeah. All big the, money for some of those guys. A, I tell you, that job, general manager, any sport, now it's 24 7, sure. 365. Ned used to say, I went to bed with five problems, I woke up with 10. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can imagine. Hey, little Bears talk next. Oh, our guy Dan Shanka, uh, final wrap up with his thoughts on the Bears and the Indianapolis Combine. Stick around, Murph and Fred, busy day. It's ESPN 1000. Fred, how you doing? Busy Saturday. We've covered the exciting Bulls quadruple overtime victory. Uh, Jesse, haven't had much time to get to your White Sox, Fred. Uh, Luis Robert, come on. Oh, yeah. Last pitch of the game. He's got two strikes. He hits a three-run homer. Sox Tech on another run. Robert was two for two. Four RBIs. So we'll see. I'm not sure when he's going to make it to the big leagues, but who needs Bryce Harper? I tell you, Luis Robert. Robert. 
What Eloy Jimenez is struggling. Struck out like five times. Remember what Harry Carey would say about a guy with a big build, a body like uh, Solaire or Robert? He'd go, yeah. too big to call a man, too small to call him a horse. Well, hopefully he's better than uh, Jorge Solaire. <laughs> hey, every once in a while, he says, yeah, I got a few minutes for you guys. And it's a big week. And he's been busy. Big week for him, big week for our lads. Busy at the uh, Combine, ourlads.com. Let's bring in boss man over there, Dan Shanka. Now on with Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000 in Chicago. Busiest guy in Indiana the last few days. It's it's Dan. Hey, Murph here, Fred alongside. Hey, Dan. How you doing, gentlemen? Yeah, I tell you what, uh, <laughs> a lot of excitement in Indy, but the uh, thing is it's Kind of like hurry and wait, you know, so uh, between the drills and everything. But anyway, um, you know, we're getting that verified information, and that's what you want to get, especially with, you know, about 80-some juniors and things. And, uh, you know, you want to know exactly how tall they are and uh, how fat they are. (laughs) Dan Shanka with us, longtime NFL uh, scout uh, uh, advisor, uh, follows a college game. What's going on first at OurLads.com coming up for the fans out there, Dan? Well, I tell you, you know, the the next newsletter is coming out. We've got the newsletters coming out, uh, uh, you know, on what we saw at the different All-Star games and things like that. But now you get the combine stuff that – uh, are going to be in there, and then this is the stuff that you know, the verified info is. You know what we use for our draft guide. Uh, you know we don't, you know, uh, give approximate anything. You know if the the guy we got to get verified information because it is important, and uh, you know uh, uh, how big a guy is, and and we wanted to find out how big Kyler Murray was because I tell you when I talked to baseball scouts, they all told me he's under five ten. And he's squirted up there, but I'd like to see that, uh, you know, that I like to see the square that we use cut right through all the hair and bruise their scalp when there they put go. that on there, <laughs> you know, so we know exactly how tall a guy is. And, uh, you know, Kyler squirmed in there at the fight. I still think there might have been a few hairs there a little tall, but, uh, you know, he got 5'10 one. Uh-huh. When, it come, when it comes to player weights, does it only matter if there's a big variation from what they played at last year? Like if he's gone up a lot or down a lot? It, there, I tell you what, Fred, there, yeah, there is. Uh, um, you know, you, you well, certainly, you know, you want to see Murray run. Right. Because I guarantee you, you know, he played at 185 to 190. I don't care what, you know, he's 207 says a day. You know, and you can put that weight on. Well, okay, if you run the 40, and, and he's fast. You know, if you run the 40 and 4-4 something at 207, that's a whole different story. You know, now you say, well, hey, that, you know, but now he didn't run. And then now we'll do for his pro day, he'll get back down to 190 or something and run. Although, if they do it right at the pro day, you're supposed to be weighing people in again, you know, to see what their weight is before they run that day. So, you know, um, but anyway, we'll see what happens then. But uh, he is quick. He can run. But uh, Probably not as much at 208 as he did at 185. I guess they don't care, all these players, the how they're inconveniencing everybody that has to go to the pro day now. That's why the combine's there. So everybody was there at one place. But now they got to go to all the pro days, too. Well, yeah. You know, and that that's the thing that, uh, in fact, when I was scouting, there was very few. You'd have pro days, but, you know, the guys did everything at the combine. So, you know, that's when you worked them out. Right. You know, if they're throwing or going through the drills and things, which, you know, they did some at the combine and whatnot. But, you know, the other stuff was all done, basically. Combine. Very few guys 
At ten, I think, as I recall, Tennessee used to like to run at their place because it was always short. You know, 140 yards, it was like 39 and a half, you know. <laughs> and nice. uh, You know, some places like that. But, but hey, you know, the guys, you know, there used to be a thing where hey, if you can run, you do run, you know. And, uh, right. But, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder if, if the tail's wagging the dog a little bit. I mean, this is a big-time interview with a uh, billion-dollar corporations running stuff. And, hey, you can blame those billion-dollar corporations for not nailing these people down, too, and saying, you know, hey, let's get out there and run. I know, I mean, you got you remember when Chris Zordich used to play for the Bears way yep. back in the day. Sure. You know, Chris almost had a nervous breakdown because he could, you know, he legitimately was injured. Uh, and uh, he got injured at Notre Dame. And he asked me several times, he says, Dan, should I go out and run? You know, I said, hey, Chris, when you say you can't run, we know you can't run because of the injury. If some of these other slappies say it, that's a whole different story. <laughs> you know, Chris was super tough. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, hey, Chris had a good career and, and everything like that. But, no, you just have to take things in stride and, and see some of these guys. And, you, of course, you want them to do everything uh, if they can. Ben Shaka for a few minutes on a busy weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, over at our lads, our uh, NFL draft expert. Dan, uh, Local, uh, localized here to the Bears. They do not have at this point a number one first round or a second round again at this point. I don't really see him trading up, but who knows? The running back position in the NFL is more discredited every year. Oh, you can always find when you can get one later. But the Bears offense, the Bears offensive scheme that running back needs, and this is not just the Bears, needs to be able to get out there and, you know, catch the ball. And that's Jordan Howard's sort of question mark. Uh, Tariq Cohen, he's terrific at what he does. He's not a load back. Would the Bears be a team in the third round that if that's the direction they want to go, be able to find not just a running back, but a running back that fits into their scheme. How do the running backs look? Deep, third round, is there the type of guys out there that the Bears specifically, not necessarily like which one, but if you have any names, are there guys the Bears could look at in the third round, or is that too soon for any running back these days? No, I I think that that's probably the sweet spot. To be uh, honest about it, the, the running backs out there's some really good running backs that are going to fit into the three back rotations. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, hey, I'd love to see the Bears get somebody like Dave Montgomery uh, from Iowa State. I mean, this guy's a jackhammer that weighs 228 pounds. He didn't smoke it at the combine. That was my only concern. Is you know, can he take it to the house? But you know, hey, how many guys really go the distance anymore? He ran. You know the four six five range, which, uh, um, but I tell you what, you try to tackle him, and uh, he breaks all kinds of tackles. And like I said, he's a, a jackhammer with those legs when he goes to the line, covers the ball up, turned the ball over only one time in his college career, and that was arguable. I thought it was a bad call by the referee in a bowl game a year ago. So uh, the kid covers up the ball, catches the ball well. In fact, they didn't throw to him a lot, but he can really catch the ball well. Uh, showed some explosiveness, you know, in, in the long jump, uh, going 10-1, did a good job there. Um, but I've seen him play for three years at Iowa State, and he, he's a really a good one. And he, I tell you what, 
he'd uh, he he'd be. I tell you, he kind of reminds me of. Now I think about it, maybe Neil Anderson. Wow, you know that kind of, that, that kind of guy. Wow. You know? So I'm, um, you know, I mean, he's a he's a tough nut now. How I mean, the the other biggest problem the Bears have going forward is their kicker. They've announced that they're going to release Cody Parkey the first day of the league season. Does it make sense, in your opinion, for NFL teams to draft kickers? I know there's only just a few of them that are probably even uh, draft-worthy in the NFL draft, but do you think it makes sense for uh, people to do that? Well, you know, you know, I've seen really good kickers, I wouldn't take them too high, you know, but I wouldn't mind drafting the kicker, you know, in that, say, sixth, seventh round uh, area. But, boy, I've seen some kickers that I thought were going to be great kickers, and they get in the league, and it's just like what happens, I think, more times than not, is some coach gets a hold of them and screws them up, Uh you know. That's the thing. Um, But I wouldn't take a guy too high. I mean, you know, obviously Janikowski, you know, that's a little bit different. They took him way early, but he's produced for the most part over a long, long, long career. Um, but, you know, I just think that um, you can grab, especially, you know, now there's so many of these guys get recycled. They kind of get cleaned up after a while. They, you know, for one reason or another, they might have chunked them. And I still don't know why the Bears let Gould go because I always liked him. <laughs> but uh, right. I know some of the fans are wondering about that, too. <laughs> and, you know, but I know he missed a couple in, in that and late in his Bear career, but you know what, the guys, you know, when you got a good one, you want to keep them. Dan, uh, final quickie, we appreciate your time at Our Lads. The uh, Bears have a couple, two guys that uh, technically, I guess, free agents or they haven't decided on uh, their box uh, uh, safety, Amos, and the nickel corner, uh, Callahan. What type of guys might be available third, fourth, fifth rounds? Uh, uh, is that a coin flip by the time you get down there? Or what uh, What might the Bears do on this? They could retain them both, one of them or neither, but I, I feel they're going to afraid at least take one, have one, right? But yeah. who knows, Dan? I tell you, I, and I like both those guys coming out. You know, when they came out in college, I like both those guys, and um, you know, I think that uh, We'll see what the Bears end up doing, but I tell you, there are strong safeties available. There's going to be some free safeties available in that uh, uh, group, and there always is every year. I mean, there's really good football players. You just got to, you know, make the right, make the right selection. But uh, Andres Pickett from UCLA, for instance, here's a guy that's a leading tackler of all defensive backs uh, that last year in college football. He's from UCLA, played in the East-West Shrine game. And a terrific uh, uh, football player, and he's going to be available probably in that fourth, fifth round area. Um, and then uh, uh, Dakota Dixon from Wisconsin, if he stays healthy, I mean, he's in that that uh, you know safety ca- category. The Edgar Woods from Mississippi, or Will Harris from Boston College. I mean, there's some really good ones that um, the Bears could latch on to, and and you know they hey they may sign both those guys and, and grab. Uh, you know, still grabbling, but but corners or some, uh, you know, nickel corners and things out there like mm-hmm. Callahan kid that can do some stuff. So um, there's going to be some guys in that area where the Bears will be picking there's, that that will be able to play in the league and help uh, the team. Dan, uh, always great to catch up. Maybe a more lengthy visit as we get closer to the draft. I know you're on a short uh, time frame with such a busy week. 
everyone appreciates hearing you in Chicago. And uh, we always implore everyone to check out OurLads.com. Dan Shanka. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. You bet you guys. Thank you anytime now. Have a good day. You, you too. too. See you later. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Bryce Callahan's a guy you really want to bring back if you could just keep him healthy. And it's he's such a hitter that he gets hurt so often, and that's that's been a real struggle. And uh, it was tough losing him. Uh, Adrian Amos is a guy that uh, you know I'm okay with. I don't think he's tremendous. I think you can find a better safety, maybe. Um, you know, so I don't want to give him too much money. Again, it's not my money, but uh, Callahan's a guy I would probably definitely want to bring back because it's more important bringing those guys back and having someone play the slot receiver. Real quick, because I know we're up against a break, but Fred, I heard one of the many great football experts, and I, I can't quote who I heard this week on ESPN 1000, but they were talking about how the two safety positions are getting closer and closer uh, where they're not uh, defined by, you know, the strong safety now called the box and the center field of the free safety. They're getting more and more interchangeable. Did you have any feelings or did you hear that? I didn't or? hear it, yeah. but when I look at the Bears' two safeties, yeah. Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson, yeah. I don't see much comparison with okay. those two yeah. because Eddie Jackson's all over the place and Adrian Amos, in my opinion, not so much. And they're talking about how outside linebackers are sort of uh, hybriding, if that's the word now, into where they have to be just as able, which we know, but more and more able to go back into coverage. So that's another position that's sort of evolving as uh, all sports do, right? Sure, sure. I mean, Leonard, you saw Leonard Floyd go back. and Heck, there's even times where you see, uh, yeah, there's even times where you see Khalil Mack. Yeah, yeah, drop back into coverage. So, Hey, let's catch up on a few things on the home stretch. See if we can shoehorn in a little Cubs and Sox. A couple Twitter poll questions for Cubs and Sox fans. Last chance, vote right now. We'll get your results when we return. Murph and Fred, vote at ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred on the home stretch. Hope you've had a uh, great Saturday. Uh, So, Phillies sold... 100,000 tickets after they announced uh, Harper. Bryce Harper. Right? And I heard a lot of people trying to... uh, The rule of thumb is every ticket sold is a total of about 75 bucks around baseball. The average ticket may be 30, 40, 50. And then they factor in you know, another twenty-five bucks ancillary for food, or you buy this, or you buy that, or maybe some places you pay to park. Wrigley Field doesn't have that, but so it's 75... So that's seven point five million. There you go in one day. Now, paying for Bryce Harper already. Well, if they sell a million tickets instead of a hundred thousand, a right. million, then I can put it at seventy-five million. Yeah, which uh, pays triple what he is uh, going to be paid about twenty-five million a year. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Dodgers get what three point five million every year. They do. So yeah. yeah. So and I'm sure prices are a little <laughs> more expensive out there for those Dodger dogs. Do you know uh, Bryce I'm, Harper? Yeah. Bryce Harper hits uh, 92 home runs um, in his career. 92 home runs at Nationals Park. Just 14 at Citizens Bank. So, you know, they played the Phillies quite a bit before. If you see me eating a Dodger. Just Dodgers, 14. 
If you see me eating a Dodger dog, you'll know I'm not feeling well even before I eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank our guests. Ned Kalani, Dan Shockett, our lads, Jesse Rogers, the little guy. Eric Ostrowski for all of his yeah, help. Thank you, Eola. As always. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening, thanks for calling, and uh, let's let NBC Sports Chicago take us home. See you later, everybody. be eight straight points down the stretch by Otto Porter to rescue the Bulls from the brink. Here it is. Got it. That's big. That's big right there. Now we got to get back. Don't let anybody catch up. Devin surging. Finds Prince. I don't think he gets it off in time. It did get to the iron. Wow. We got extra basketball in Atlanta thanks to some heroics by Otto Porter. Comes through in the clutch. To overtime we go. Not at 124. Eight seconds to play. Hawks have one timeout left. They will let him go. Young on the dribble. On the drive. Double punches it good. One second left. Inbound Levine from half court for the win. And we go to a second overtime in Atlanta. And it's Trey Young. Who else with the game time bucket? It's Lopez. Hands off Porter. Porter slashes in for the win. No good. And to a third overtime. Stacey King. Andy, I hope you didn't have anything planned tonight like dinner or a movie um, because uh, you're not going to make it, man. Hawks thought they'd have to defend the final possession. Now they have a chance to win in the third overtime. Baysmore was open. Comes out long to land the heave. No good. Not going anywhere for a while. Let's have a slippers. <laughs> Four overtimes in Atlanta. Time will tick, and we are done. Thumbs up for Jim Boylan as his team grinds out a four overtime, 168 to 161 win over the Atlanta Hawks. Two guys who both had career highs, Trey Young and Zach Levine. Levine with 47. A lot of tired legs on that flight home to Chicago, but it'll be a triumphant flight for the Bulls who win a fifth in their last six. Stop, balls.